Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. McGurk! I Do love typing. Do not mess with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you <laughs> like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Here I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther Boardroom or Ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther? It's not just Lena being mean? No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Yes! Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And this is our 400th episode of the podcast. We have gotten to 400. What you are going to hear in this montage that we have uh, created are going to be We have created. Rebecca did all this editing. I want to just be up at the top of the show saying that I did no work on this 400th episode. This is all you, Rebecca. All you. But but you're in it. And you provide some of the best laughs. I was in it. I was involved in that I did 400 of those episodes. So this montage is going to cover episodes 301 through 399. And just to tease some of the things that you're going to be hearing uh, in those last 100 episodes, we we did a lot of things. We wondered, what is art? Uh, I I think we came to a conclusion about it. Paintings of horses, right? And maybe a lady with a sandwich uh, who kills for a sandwich. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Maybe maybe that is art. We don't know. We'll leave it up to you to decide. We got Morgan's dream recast of Zorel in the last 100 episodes. Just keeping it so tight. That's all. <laughs> Just looking so good, Jason Bear. We also couldn't figure out where Magan uh, went, uh, where, she, where she disappeared to. Uh, where did Magan go was a good question of the final season of Supergirl. Poor Magan. We also had to save a live stream from a fifth dimensional pest named Mikshez Pitalik. And uh, we also had to save a live stream from a smoke detector. We finally got Mr. Bones in live action, even yeah. though he wasn't on our show why would he be on our show that wouldn't just make sense we held a march madness game night of team mermaid versus team werewolf that was very exciting had the morgan glennon podcast universe people on we also read through supergirl woman of tomorrow and then we also found out we were going to get a movie based on it so lots of supergirl woman (laughs) of tomorrow content in the last 100 episodes speaking of which we interviewed writer tom king about it so we got a little uh behind the scenes on how woman of tomorrow was created uh we did a lot of interviews actually in the last 100 episodes we talked to the young danver sisters from season six we talked to young cj grant we also talked to claude knowlton we also talked to ozzy testify we talked about uh the news gal legion with her got that to tell so her about fun. that we also talked to matthew wilson who was the supergirl uh property master from the show we talked to uh olympian laurie hernandez about her love for the supergirl tv series got to talk oh, about cool. lena luther 
character and her wardrobe, which is of a lot course. of fun. Then Nicole Maines also returned to Supergirl Radio. We get to catch up with her about the dreamer's appearance in the comics and her writing process. And then my personal favorite interview that we did, I got to talk to comic book writer Morgan Glennon about her process, about how she writes comics. Yes, you know, uh, I've worked on so many projects, the one, and... Uh, <laughs> I really brought a lot of like deep comic book knowledge from that one one that I did uh, to that interview. So if you are an aspiring comic writer and you're like, how can I write just one of them? <laughs> That's the interview for you. Definitely listen to it. She was a great guest. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Interviews weren't all we did, though, right? We, <laughs> we reviewed some fine feature films cinematic uh, classics really. cinematic classics including and you know you know where this is going you know this is where it's going. <laughs> buttons buttons a christmas tale holly and ivy with uh, patricia the librarian <laughs> patricia poor patricia uh we also <laughs> talked about pretty in pink for valentine's day the the start of ducky lex luther we brought a super we bought oh. In fact, a Supergirl radio brick at the Super Museum in Metropolis, Illinois. We had another Supergirl podcasters roundtable. That's always really fun. I was relieved that the other podcasters didn't know why Lex and Nixley turned into lizard people. That made me feel better about no, us. No one knows and no one will ever know. I hope, <laughs> I hope that if at some point in the future somebody asks the writers, they refuse to answer. Let it be a beautiful mystery to us all forever. Uh, <laughs> Uh, speaking of reuniting, we reunited with former Supergirl Radio co-host Carly Lane. Uh, we brought her back onto the podcast. It was good um, to hear her perspective on the seasons that we missed with her. Good to see that she uh, also uh, had a lot of the same issues <laughs> uh, even though she wasn't uh, podcasting about it week to week anymore. We did a Choose Our Own Adventures with a fictional time-traveling assassin named Fleur Delise. And this is, I have to be honest, this is the part of the um, 400th episode I'm looking the most forward to because I want to follow like the narrative journey <laughs> of the Fleur de Lis saga like all in one place. And I think this is going to be it's, it's going to take you on a magical journey. I think it's going to be amazing. Finally, we had to say goodbye to Supergirl on the CW Supergirl TV series. But then on on the the more upbeat side, we got to say hello to a new Supergirl. In the Flash movie, arguably the greatest movie of all time. So much good stuff in uh, the last 100 episodes of Supergirl Radio. And uh, I've enjoyed it. Thank you, Morgan, for being on the podcast with me, being on these live streams with me. It's a lot of fun. And if you want to, I would highly encourage you to... Uh, Watch the video version because then you'll also get a lot of the lab cats. There's a whole montage on the lab Ooh. cats. Uh, so uh, you kind of missed that a little bit on the audio version. That's so true. You'll want to see the cats on the video version. So no matter how you watch or listen to the 400th episode, uh, I hope that you enjoy celebrating the last 100 episodes of the podcast and that you enjoy our 400th episode celebration montage. Typically... With a final season of television, you want to promote, hey, this is the last season. Usually. the last time you're ever going to see this show. Remember, Supergirl? <laughs> us neither. It's the final <laughs> season. The final season. And then, like, Lex burns a, what, what does he burn onto the wall? It's an S-Shield. Is, is it an S-Shield? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It looks Sorry, like an S-Shield. Quickly, this whole thing is eight seconds. And then you see Supergirl's face. 
very briefly, very briefly, you see a, le- a lot more Lex. Don't worry. <laughs> you know that Lex and- is in it. And then Supergirl's kind of thrown in for a little flavor at the end. That's <laughs> Katie McGraw in a, in a red wig. And she's like, I am Lena Luthor's mother. <laughs> she, and, uh, and it turns out she wasn't dead the whole time. She faked her own death. She like went underground. She's like a criminal mastermind now. <laughs> so she's and the big bad. Been she's pulling the big bad. all the strings and she's the big bad. And then we get like <laughs> down the season, we get like a, an emotional moment between uh, between Katie McGraw and Katie McGraw <laughs> because she's playing both parts in this scenario. It's not I mean, hard. Good. Was I supposed to feel sorry for Andrea in that scene? I did, not. I did not. I did not at all. I like no part of me felt bad for her. Right after they launched a VR platform that almost killed everybody, wasn't like the time for her to cry and be like, oh, my company. Like, <laughs> you almost killed everybody. It doesn't seem like you care a lot about that. She's like, I don't. My dad's mad at me. And Lena, I guess because of her own experiences of kind of flirting with the dark side um, seemed to really uh, give up on like just really accept Andrea despite the fact that like I don't know what's the timeline on the show how many days ago was it that Andrea tried to kill someone (laughs) 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 like actual murder she's like uh, she's like Lena, I do have to say thanks for talking me down from that murder. Lena's like, please, who among us, right? <laughs> Lena should have taken the fifth. She admitted to some so-called crimes. Um, Lex is charged with crimes against humanity. That's not a crime uh, in the United States. <laughs> well, it is in the UN. It is in the UN. Wait, yeah, the UN. It's, oh, in, yeah. In, the United, it, it's in international law, but it's not a federal crime. It's not a state crime. He's charged with the murder of Dr. Jared and conspiracy with Eve, but presumably Lena is a co-conspirator as well. So I had a question about that because I was wondering why, why was Lillian not being charged? Why was Otis not being charged or Lena? Like why, why, why was it just focused on Lex? Cause they, they were just as much part of that as anybody else. I think it's because the super friends captured Lex at the fortress and they turned him over to the authorities and Otis and Lillian weren't there. So, so they can be brought up on... I think that requires a certain level of logic and real-world common sense being brought to decisions that maybe didn't actually happen here. But can I flag what Daryl just said in the chat? Because he makes a really good point, which is that going backwards... Uh, Lena pled the fifth under circumstances where she could not plead the fifth, but here where she should have, she I was going to make that point. Will they eventually write an actual arc on Jeremiah's murder or nah? I'm thinking nah. I'm thinking nah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> At Willie Belcher uh, six says, don't know, giving up hope too much drama. Which kind of sounds like a like a very beautiful haiku. <laughs> Morgan, what do you think about the Phantom Zone having storage rooms? Once you start adding structures and buildings that aren't caves to the Phantom Zone, you open a book of questions that I don't know that they want you thinking about. Like, wait, who built that? <laughs> wait, where'd they get the supplies? Wait. <laughs> Did several people build it together? I thought everybody hated each other here and trying to murder each other. <laughs> Wait, why would they build it? <laughs> Wait, 
was somebody in charge and did they think about this and were they they put blueprints together and then they got a bu- <laughs> and then they hired did they hire a bunch of phantoms on they wizards contract- uh, like contractors with construction worker hats on <laughs> like what wh- wait who did the site inspe- inspection <laughs> is it up to code is that building up to code? <laughs> Sam wrote us an email with a huge dilemma saying, quote, I've been watching the show since season one and have been holding on by my fingernails as each season goes by. I do everything I can to enjoy what little I can with each episode. And even in season five, I found reasons to enjoy the smallest of moments. However, season six, I can't seem to find anything. I normally would enjoy a Midvale episode as I find young Danvers episodes to be so rich in backstory and with the Danvers sisters, but the amount of retconning due to crisis has just made me so uh, furious. I feel like it just entirely disrespects everything that was built in season one onwards. I've gone, uh, I've said to myself that I'm going to stick through the finale as I've gone this far with the show, but giving everything with COVID, I'm in Canada where we're in a pretty intense third wave. It just feels like another thing that's stressing me out and the fan feedback just feels all negative. From listening to your previous season six episodes, I don't feel I'm entirely alone on how disappointed I feel on season six as a whole, but I wanted to ask how you're both feeling on season six as a whole and how you're feeling on Supergirl's show legacy and if you have any hope that the season will turn around unquote so it seems like sam needs a hope speech oh my god sam (laughs) sam sam look at me sam look at me you can't give up hope okay i know that things are tough i know that we all sat through that lex courtroom scene and that we want to give up but we can't (laughs) because you have to keep hope alive. What would Kara say to you? She would look you in the eye and she would just say hope because she's trimmed down that speech. She's trimmed (laughs) all the fat out of that speech. She would just look at you and she'd say, Sam, 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 hope. How is she called Cat Grant? I would ask myself. Sure, she's called Cat Grant in the comics and the movies and the TV shows. She's never actually been called CJ Grant. But I would I needed to know the origin story of when she went from CJ to Cat. Uh, it was just <laughs> uh, we called it so thoroughly last week. What would in, you would you like to revisit that? So I that would love it. Just in case people we called it. <laughs> <laughs> We don't need to see her become Cat Grant, literally become Cat Grant, like the name Cat Grant. Like, no, <laughs> this is the origin her, of the name Cat Grant, the, the origin right, story. Like, we're watching her become Cat Grant, like become the Cat Grant that we know. I'm assuming that towards the uh, in the end of next episode, like she's going to go off to start her media empire, which she's going to accomplish in six short years. And, uh, and <laughs> Good for her. We don't need her to be like, and you know what? I'm not CJ anymore. Call me Cat. I'm going to throw something at the TV screen because 100% that's going to happen. That's going to happen. Yes. It's going to happen next week. And it's like, we don't have to go. We understand. We understand. We don't have to go that literal. They went that literal. (laughs) (laughs) As a reminder, we're still running our Flat Supergirl photography contest. Flat Supergirl could be doing an activity. Is Flat Supergirl driving? She shouldn't be. She can't reach the pedals. Um, (laughs) You can put her on a pen or a pencil and then just take creative pictures of her. Where does she want to go? Ask her. Talk to her. (laughs) 
<laughs> really commune with flat supergirl your friends and your family are going to be worried it doesn't matter they don't understand you only flat supergirl does it's going to turn out to be like a creepy annabelle situation with your flat supergirl and i'm i'm sorry if your flat supergirl is haunted um we our disclaimer is that that is not our responsibility and we're sorry about that okay i have to confess um i don't know where my flat supergirl is anymore oh no what happened to her we've had we've had to pack up several times to go to different (laughs) islands and i'm like i don't know where she is anymore what did i do with her so um, where are you (laughs) so i'm going to have to print out a new one when i get home i was gonna take her all is gonna be like what? <laughs> like <laughs> she's gonna like float on the breeze or something to somebody. She's gonna roll up on a beach somewhere. <laughs> it's uh, you know what? In my mind, it's like somebody sitting on the beach. They're really sad. They're having a bad day. They're like, if only I I had something, something to give me hope. And then in flutters <laughs> flat supergirl. <laughs> and it's time for us to announce our winner. Now we got a lot of great great entries. Flat Supergirl did a lot of things the last couple she, months. Yeah, talk about variety. She did a lot of things. More things than I've probably done the last couple of months. <laughs> she saw some things. She took in some sights. She hung out with some friends. Uh, <laughs> so we are very proud to uh, congratulate the winner of the Flat Supergirl contest. Uh, congratulations to Real Life Zookeeper at Theater Penguin 7 on Instagram. Were you surprised by the script? Um, Did it take a lot to sort of think through because it involved a lot of time travel? Yeah, I was shocked when Kenny was like, Kenny's back. Um, (laughs) I was like, that's exciting. So for Kara. So I, well, I read the episodes like four or five times because it's, I'm a visual person and reading it, I was very confused. And then I had to like, I had like this giant like five pages that I just like wrote out the timeline because Kara also time travels. Right. Yeah, know. there's a lot of time travel. It's hard there to is. keep track of. <laughs> and so I had to like write out a time and be like, okay, in these scenes you haven't time traveled yet. And in these scenes you have, and then here you're back. And but I got it. It was like a little puzzle. It was kind of fun. Um yeah, it was kind of weird to navigate, but seeing it made a lot more sense. <laughs> the main responsibility that I felt was honoring her portrayal of Alex. Uh and what was really helpful is when we got to Canada, um, one of the producers called both Bella and myself and said, so here are the most important episodes for your character that you need to watch so that you can understand where you eventually end up and also so that you can just study the person that you're trying to play. Um, So a huge episode for me that I pulled a lot from was um, the episode that uh, Alex comes out and and realizes that she's gay. And um, I studied a lot of her mannerisms in that episode and studied the, the cadence of her speaking, and I studied the cadence of uh, the, the, the way that she walked and, and the way that she yelled at Kara. Like, that was a very specific <laughs> thing to get down. I did a lot of yelling at Bella. Uh, <laughs> Listen to this, ladies. The audition was all my lines were with Nicole. That was one scene, right? And it's Nicole listening to Silas as he recounts his backstory. My husband was falsely accused of theft. He was sentenced to six months in the Strikers. Huh. That's different. (laughs) See? They didn't want to ruin it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. 
it took a win from me. That's all the same. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, I failed. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she says, I'm sure I can replicate, replicate your technology. That was Brainy's line, actually. And I say, the tech is the easy part. People talk about strikers as a place where time does not pass. But it isn't what makes it terrible. It's the guards. Mm. Ha ha. <laughs> oh, Phantom's mansion. What does Cat Grant hate more? Whole milk in her lattes or eating at Chipotle? <laughs> <laughs> eating at Chipotle. She hates eating at Chipotle. Like being around all those people, like germs, like no thank you. The idea of Cat Grant standing in line at a Chipotle and then walking down the line. Picking out what needs to go in her burrito is, I can't imagine it. There's no scenario in which that ever happens. Uh, Guardian the Comics uh, has a little team of uh, kids who help him called the Newsboy Legion. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, uh, but uh, they're kind of they're kind of like a ragtag group of kids who he sort of adopts, and uh, they're they're uh, kind of street kids, and he he help they help him out with all of his missions, and they're sort of like his confidential informants on the street. Um, and so we we at Supergirl Radio have uh, formed a, a very big attachment to the Newsboy Legion. We love the Newsboy Legion, and uh, we have been wanting to see if uh, maybe Kelly uh, with maybe some of these kids in the Heights could develop a relationship and form a news gal legion. Uh, do you think that's maybe something that's possible? I love that. I don't think that they thought of that, but, um, but the, the, the kids do, uh, I guess there's a version of that. Um, because their storyline continues. Oh, this is so cool. I love that I can see all the imagery. I like that they, they have membership cards, I think is really important. <laughs> yes. That's so good. And member numbers, like number 49. It's very official. Yeah. It's an official organization. <laughs> I think this is a spinoff I didn't realize I needed. I feel like Kelly is a very organized person and would actually give everybody a number, you know, just keep, keep, I, them, I, keep track of I feel like Kelly's big into unionizing and ID cards. Yes, this totally feels like <laughs> up her alley. Um, if I'm honest, I don't think it was intentional, but these, these kids do play uh, a big part uh, and they're, they're not just guest stars, they recur. So they, they will continue to exist and they are a big part of Kelly's uh, story. So I guess there's a version of that. This was a great uh, project because when you look at the original comic books and you want to always sort of, you know, not sort of, you want to honor DC and their, their legacy and their mythology and their anthology. So if you look at the original comic books, you'll see that the Phantom Zone Projector has a very basic shape because uh, it's a oh, it's a comic book, so it's, there's not a lot of detail in the illustration at that time. So I wanted to go back to that and say, not everything has to be so complex. Not everything has to look so slick and high tech. That this Phantom Zone Projector, I wanted to do a callback to the original comic book shape. And so that's why it has that very deliberate large ring shape. And the tech in the back is sort of more sort of industrial and, um, you know, a little you know, high tech steampunk, or if you want to call it, um, to give it that feel and honor the original DC uh, illustration. This last bit of news is more so uh, Supergirl radio uh, centric and maybe not something that other Supergirl podcasts would cover. 
But this is something that's really but specific. But this is the hard-hitting news that we're not a, we're not afraid to take on, okay? We're not afraid to take on the tough, controversial topics. Rebecca, let's get into this news. <laughs> <laughs> so in our last bit of news, according to Deadline.com, uh, quote, Judith Light will star as Blanche, I think, Knopf. Uh, co-founder of the Knopf Publishing House. Knopf, who was married to publishing giant Alfred A. Knopf, is widely credited with bringing in Childs, uh, I guess Julia Childs, uh, oh, yeah. hugely successful uh, mastering the art of French cooking book. Uh, Knopf worked with a swath of top writers during her career, including Sigmund Freud, Albus, Albert Camus, John Up- Updike, and Raymond Chandler, as well as Julia Child, HBO uh, Max, HBO Max picked up two series, Julia, in January after ordering a pilot. The eight-episode series uh, sees Happy Valley star Sarah Lancaster play child with David Hyde Pierce as her husband, uh, Paul. The series is currently in production, unquote. So I I, I thought we should really address this uh, because I have a sense that maybe we're not going to get Judas Light in the final season of Supergirl, and I'm a little heartbroken about it. I Listen... I, I love and light to Judith Light. Uh, <laughs> this seems like a great opportunity. She's going to kill this part. I know it because she kills everything because we yeah. damed her. Do you remember? We, we damed did, her. We, did we, her. we have previously damed Judith Light. So I know that she's going <laughs> to she's gonna really take on this role and make it her own. But for us here at Supergirl Radio, there is a sadness to this news. <laughs> Because it means that she will probably not be available for the guest star that we all want and may need, I think, <laughs> going into the, the last stretch of episodes in Supergirl. We've asked for so many things during this podcast. What is a little thing like bringing on Dame Judith Light just for us? I know we have a lot of Judith Light super fans on this podcast as well <laughs> as ourselves. So we just like to give the occasional update on what she's up to. <laughs> I think it's cool that they are giving her a little bit of color. It looks gold. And, of course, on our uh, Guardian character spotlight, we talked about the different variations of Guardian. There are many, actually. And one of them is the Golden Guardian. So uh, so this may be who she is. I'm a little disappointed it's not a hornblower. That would I mean, have been my it was preference. Right there. It was right there for the taking. <laughs> I mean, she could have had the horn. She could have used it to, you know, portal herself into different dimensions. I mean, that would have been great. She, she could have kept the shield, but imagine the power of a shield and a horn. <laughs> then she could then she could be everywhere she needed to be to give people therapy. You would just hear it like it, it, you'd be like having an existential crisis and you hear like, bah, 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 and then suddenly Kelly's there and she's like, tell me how you really feel about this. <laughs> My great fear is that, you know, there's, there's a Superman show every 10 years. There's always going to be a Superman show every 10 years. They, they can't help themselves but to do a Superman show. Um, but a Supergirl show might be harder to get again. And um, I think we were very fortunate to get a Supergirl show in the first place. Uh, so my, my great fear is that it won't end well um, and, and that we won't have another one. So I'm hoping that, you know, my, my greatest hope of the show is that it just really sticks to the landing and, and tells a really good Kara story by the end of it. Uh, because uh, I, it, it does frustrate me a little bit that, you know, we have all these great characters, but sometimes I feel like the, the show puts too much emphasis on the other characters. Mm-hmm. And there's not, like there was a, an episode this season, Welcome Back, Kara, 
and it had a lot of Kara in it. And I was so shocked that there was so much. It was, it was an episode about Kara. And I was loving it. it. That's probably, to talk about my favorite episode, I think Welcome Back, Kara, was my favorite episode just because it dealt with Kara's fallout from being in the Phantom Zone and really dealt with her emotions. So uh, I think that's that's one thing that I hope the show kind of leans into it. They're going to have to, you know, get Kelly to be Guardian, and they're going to have to probably uh, do some romance with Alex and Kelly. And I hope they, ad- you know, adopt that little adorable girl that we met at the foster care, foster care home. Uh, so they, they have to, you know, touch on all these other characters and kind of wrap their story, which is hard for yeah. the final season, you know, to, to wrap up all the characters and have everyone in a good place by the end of it. So I'm, I'm curious to see how they get there. We need to catch up on Morgan's thoughts on the episode she missed while on her honeymoon. So uh, <laughs> what I what I thought we could do is uh, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to prompt you with some topics and then I'm going to give you two minutes to talk about whatever you whatever you think about those topics. Kellex turning into garbage man. Chef's kiss. Just <laughs> chef's kiss. That was probably, for me, I don't think that this is a shock, the highlight of the last three episodes that I watched. <laughs> Kelly's motivation to become Guardian. Go. Really big opening for the news gal or news boy <laughs> legion there. I mean, if they didn't set it up, if that's not her happy ending, I don't know what is. Put put a newspaper into those little orphans' hands and let's go. <laughs> Esme, the sassy foster kid that Kelly meets in the foster home. Uh, go. I mean, they gave her even a better origin story for the name Guardian than they did for James. <laughs> he was just like, I'm gonna, I think it's like, Guardian will be my name. And you're like, all right, James. And she said, now you have a cute little sassy foster kid going, you're like our guardian. She's like, <laughs> I like it. I like it, even though it was James's name, but I'm stealing it. William Day's off-screen girlfriend. Go. Is this like a situation where it's it's his girlfriend, uh, but she lives in Canada? And you're like, you can't, you can't see her. You can't see her. No one sees her. She's really busy. She's really busy. Lena investigating her family history. When she said she was like, I'm going to investigate my family history. I'm going to go back to, and I whispered, Ireland? <laughs> and and then she said East. And I was like, no, no, that's not. That's not where. That's not where you're from. The people in the chat really liked this format. We should maybe do, do this again. <laughs> I have not been this excited about a villain in so long on this show. And I think it's because in season four, the villain was bigotry. And season five, society. (laughs) And season five, the villain was technology. Technology. And so there yeah. was no, there was no real like the, the real villain personal is personal villain is systemic injustice. It's like <laughs> yeah, I would love to, uh, we would love to get rid of that, but can she punch it? Like <laughs> I think there was Katie McGraw in a wig that was definitely eating her face. That wig was had plans to just devour her whole. Uh, and th- yes, yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Oh, it hurts to look at. It's like it's like it's like a like a solar eclipse. You really shouldn't look directly at it. <laughs> My favorite thing about Andrea when she had that phone call with Lena, she told Lena, "You are your mother's spitting image." And <laughs> the wig is like it's not even on her head. That's I think the more important thing. It's like it's like precariously perched. It's like if you were wearing a jaunty hat and you wore it a little a little ajar, like a little sideways. What does what the chat say? Katie McGrath's Elizabeth <laughs> Walsh wig. Is it working it or wiggy? We got a lot of wiggies in the chat. Just want to uh, share these for posterity. Uh, there's a hard wiggy from hard Paula. Wiggy. The wig itself was just, 
it was like its own character. I think it went through its own character progression, its own character arc. It starts out happy. It ends up sad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that wig. That wig is so great. Um, and, and God bless it. I hope it does well for itself because it's clearly a sentient living creature that's just on her head. <laughs> Sarah, Anna, Morgan, and I have talked about the wig. What are your thoughts on the uh, the Elizabeth Walsh wig? It conjures up like theme songs from 80s show, like Full House. That wig was doing like a really like a whole performance. But I could also yeah, see what? that wig like laughing at by the Golden Gate Bridge with all of its wig children. Like, <laughs> yeah, and like and like and like tossing a hat in the air. Yeah, yeah, the wig <laughs> takes off its own hat and throws it in the air. That's what I'm saying. You're going to make Mary, it wig. Moore. Yeah. What if she inherits the wig and that's what gives her powers? Because here's Ooh. my thing. Here's <laughs> and, and then she has to put the wig on. Listen, I'm, I've moved past the wig, but can we talk about... Have you? No, have you? I haven't. I haven't. <laughs> And I never will. We don't wear lab coats very often. Oh, interesting. Um, Because most of the things that we work with are like basically either soaps or solutions that are like saline to keep tissue alive. So like it's not actually required much for us, but every time they go to take a picture for the university, you bet they're like, um, excuse me, could you, could you actually, um, put on a lab coat so people know you're a scientist? And I was like, oh, is, is that how it works? <laughs> Don't tell the field biologist out in the prairie or anything. Um, they are not wearing lab coats. They're like, these are Gray's anatomy rules. And if you don't have the lab coats on, how will we know? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, that's a lot of lab coats. I mean, they were very nice. It seemed like they were probably like monogrammed and like possibly tailored for them like I feel like you would go to the store when you got there and you got like your three lab coats um that's what (laughs) happens at fancy institutes but not at a public institution we get like a white coat that's like stained with weird solutions a little bit on the sleeves it's been in a drawer for a while um but but yeah we can talk about this later but it did make me laugh that there was like all of this PPE and then I was going through this in my lab this week. And then I was like, Lena's going to do something ridiculous. And then she didn't. She was like fully in lab appropriate clothing the whole episode. (laughs) What a letdown. (laughs) My theory for why Cara failed. She was supposed to come out to the world as Cara Danvers as well. This season is about power and Cara having a secret identity is her having the privilege of hiding. The show will end with her revealing that to the world on her own terms, not on blackmail. Oh, I mean, that's, that's interesting. That's possible. I, suppose. I did wonder if it had something to do with her secret identity, but I was like, but what? Yeah. I, I mean, I think you could do that. You could end the show with her, her saying, Hey, I'm, I'm Kara. I work at CatCo. Like what's, her, been, what, what's I've her been, reporter job going to look like after I've that? been covering myself for several years. It is a huge <laughs> journalistic breach of ethics. I understand <laughs> that. I understand that. I thought that they had settled on not doing it. Honestly. That's what I thought. And I was and, like, oh, Lena's learned her lesson from season five. Because yeah. there was that whole thing about her uh, taking away the free will of the people. And this was yeah. very similar. So I was like, yes. oh, Lena's learned something. And then and then the next scene, they're telling William that they're going to do it. And I was like, oh, so clever. What they're going to do is they're going to have him like write an article. And somehow that's going to trap Nixley. Like, I don't understand it. I don't understand it, but they're playing like they're playing on a different dimension. Forty chess, me, yeah, forty chess. Like I don't get it. I don't get. I don't. I don't know that it makes sense. But I'm like, this is a clever plan, probably, maybe. <laughs> and then, and then we come back from the commercial break, and I'm like, 
I I love how resourceful these guys are being. I like how <laughs> they're, they're playing. They're playing everybody. They're playing William, but they're also playing Jean. They're playing Alex because they they're not in on it either. It's just a, it's just a Carolina thing. They're like winking at each other. I'm like, yeah, girls, yeah. <laughs> and then they do the exact thing I thought that they had agreed not to do. Yeah. And then I went, oh no. I've misunderstood something very basic. <laughs> so I watched the whole episode and when it got over, I literally rewound back to that scene. And I have to tell you, despite having watched it like twice, maybe almost like uh, ranging towards three times, <laughs> it still wasn't entirely clear at the end of that scene that they had decided to do it. Even if you do something morally wrong, but you do it with people knowing about it in the public, does that make it less no, morally it's wrong? Still wrong. That's the thing that I couldn't get. It's like if I decided to like uh I don't know, slash your tires, but then I I wrote you a note and I put it on Facebook or something. I was like, I just slashed Rebecca's tires. And the reason I did it was because I was mad at her. Like <laughs> It's still not a good thing that I did. I, who cares if I did it in the light of day? I still did a messed up thing. And you're very justified in being angry at me. Like, it doesn't, like, just, it just doesn't make sense. Always talking about bacon, but he never brings any baked goods. Like, I feel like that's kind of William's vibe. Like, he's like, oh, my God, I just made the most amazing quiche. And they're like, well, where is it? Oh, just me and my girlfriend, who's totally real. We just had it. We had it. We shared it. I took a picture on Instagram. Did you see it? <laughs> oh, no, you don't see it? Oh, it was in stories. It was tw oh, <laughs> over 24 hours ago. I guess you just don't check my stories enough. <laughs> like, he never posted it to stories. He never made that quiche. <laughs> we are live and wired to discuss and review the Supergirl Season 6 episode titled Hope for Tomorrow. Lots of hope in Supergirl. Uh, maybe not so much anymore, and I was like hope is she back and no she wasn't back so no we're thanks just for nothing Supergirl we're... writers <laughs> <laughs> you know what could have helped this episode is if hope suddenly showed up and was like it is me I am the totem <laughs> Lena who is like really embracing her witchy ways her hair is crimped now she's like really just going into that witch vibe the witch vibe is apparently like your hair is like not poker straight anymore now you got a little curl in it the curl is nature you know taking hold uh, she, she's also looking up uh charms about complexion complexion elixirs sure uh, i wasn't exactly sure what that had to do with anything but uh well, well you know what she's she might may or may not be poor now and uh what be what better way to make your money than with like uh youtube makeup tutorials but like with your witch powers and i think that she i think she's going to monetize that channel real fast is the thing <laughs> i just love that you pause that to see what spells she was looking at and that they made no sense i i like that i like that as a whole vibe for her <laughs> and she's like well why can't you just take all their nukes like why can't you just take all the nukes in all the world and get rid of them and supergirl's like well i can't like i have a like a i've sworn oath not to and i went okay all right let me clarify Okay. She, she says, I am forbidden from interfering in human history. Morgan, do you know what that's from? No. It is from the Christopher Reeve, I think the first Superman movie, where he's he's told, mm -hmm. I think by Jarrell, 
I haven't watched it in a while, but Jarrell tells him not to interfere in human history. That mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. applies <laughs> to Supergirl. Mm-hmm. I was no. trying to think, has anyone ever <laughs> told her that? Is that anything that <laughs> I know Superman fans are gonna like mm-hmm. latch onto that and we're gonna recognize mm-hmm. what that is. <laughs> but has that ever been established in the show? So Supergirl? <laughs> So I have the memory Who of told Alex her that? after she got memory wiped. So it's Swiss cheese, basically. It's <laughs> I, I'm I'm microwaving staplers on a daily basis, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure that never nobody ever told her that even once in this whole entire show. But she said it with the confidence of a writer who is like, I think we've established that <laughs> you haven't. And also, she uh, interferes in human history all, all the, time. the time, arguably all the time just the other day just the other a couple episodes ago not even that many episodes ago she was going to a city council meeting <laughs> to get a building rezoned uh, martian manhunter manhunter says that he and brainy will fly the missiles into the sun oh no and i, and I thought oh no why is martian manhunter doing that yeah, isn't wait, his weakness what? fire his weak, his one weakness is that he's scared of fire. The Not sun anymore. is the biggest fireball that we know of. Not anymore, Rebecca. He's what? so brave. Why? <laughs> Why would you have Martian Manhunter fly something into the sun? Because they don't remember that he's afraid of fire is the thing. They don't remember his that His whole civilization burned. No, that's got why none of that. he's like the last Martian, <laughs> except for Magon. Where is Magon? Race of people, except for the White Martians, burned alive, and they are going to send him into the sun. Can we start with Nixley's diabolical plan to like kidnap William Day? Like, yes, like, let's. Please. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit them where it hurts, <laughs> right, right in their heart, the heart of the team. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> are they gonna fix this mess i hope this leads to something better me too Uh, we all do do. (laughs) we're all listen what we can take from this i think is that we're all in this together all of us on this boat (laughs) here's mark's snap judgment on the eve of the supergirl series finale you are abducted by relatively kind aliens Always something with these. Okay. You are allowed to bring one loved one w- with you, and they promise no harmful experiments or nasty probing will be performed, but you will never return to Earth, and you will never see the rest of your friends and family again. Or you find out how super, uh, or find out how Supergirl ended. Okay. Or before the series finale, you take a job as director of social media for the CW Supergirl and Supergirl Writers Room accounts, meaning you're the one who has to read and respond to Twitter and Instagram, and you sign a contract that makes the job impossible to leave. Then, in the series finale, the following happens. Kara decides a totally free and available Monel <laughs> is the true love of her life and goes to the 31st century to be with him. Mia and Brainy stay together in the present day. Alex and Kelly and Esme live happily ever after. And William's Canadian girlfriend turns out not only to exist, but is revealed to have been Lena all along. And the two of them go off into the sunset, making googly eyes at each other. Now, the question is, do you get, (laughs) I'm sorry, do you get abducted (laughs) by aliens? 
Or do you become the social media manager of Supergirl after that finale? (laughs) If we can't follow this, I feel like that's a big problem for the show. Like, not only do we watch it every week, we then talk about it every week, like extensively. And we're still, I'm still struggling to follow what's going on with these totems. And I make beautiful Google Doc notes that have highlighters. (laughs) Yes, you take extensive notes. I pause multiple times to yell at my husband about how it doesn't make sense. (laughs) Why won't it make sense? Uh, Like, I just don't understand. Like, if we can't follow it, like, the person who's just kind of idly watching the show, what hope do they have? I feel bad for that person who's just like, I don't know. And then, then they got the soap, but then they lost the soap. And I guess now the soap's the child's. (laughs) <laughs> do, do you think that's actually a more a blissful way to watch the show yes <laughs> at mark hb pwm said honestly i liked it i've accepted that the totem rules are cannonball uh, uh, calvin ball what's calvin whole- ball it's related to calvin and hobbs calvin ball is a game invented by calvin and hobbs calvin ball has no rules the players <laughs> make up their own rules as they go along so that no calvin ball game is like another Rules cannot be used twice, except for the rules that rules cannot be used twice. <laughs> and any plays made in one game may not be made again in any future games. I like the idea of him being like, oh, my God, I wrote you a love poem. And here it is. And Nixley just being like, yes, it's honey. It's great. It's great. And then he like leaves the room and she's like, oh, my God, this is not good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to tell them this. him this is not good. And he's like, Nixley said my poetry is great and I'm really going to lean hard into it. And she's like, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> what if the opposite happens? And she's like, this is the greatest poem that's ever she's been like, written. Oh, my God. Let's. <laughs> You have a gift. You have to to continue writing. End the show with season five or end it with season six. Season six had the young Danvers sisters. It had the Phantom Zone. It had Mixie. Kelly became Guardian. So there's some elements that have been good. (laughs) Season five, though. Hmm. Not not much. It was Ramakhan. Oh, there was ra- oh, okay. Ramakan's okay. Ramawine. Okay, there was Ramakan and <laughs> there was hope, but that's about it, honestly. <laughs> yeah, for me, I think season six is good, outweighs the good of season five. Although the Ramakan mention is a really strong selling point, <laughs> uh, I, I guess I would have to say season six. <sighs> this is a really tough one because I feel like if you go out on the season five finale, you spend forever. Wondering who is Leviathan, and you <laughs> who's don't the head of Leviathan. Who's the head of Leviathan? You don't get the the closure of it. Doesn't matter. No one cares uh, <laughs> that you got in season six. You might have thought it mattered. You might have been led to believe it would matter, and you would be wrong, <laughs> like we were wrong. <laughs> we get a truly epic. Uh, season six finale, which introduces which introduces everything you've ever wanted on the show: Comet the Super Horse, Snapper Car Snapping, Director Bones, Supergirl as a soap opera star, mm. all of it that you both get to podcast on, but you have to end the podcast following the final episode forever, or you get this junky season, <laughs> but can get to continue doing the podcast as long as you both want to. Oh, mm. that is not fair. That's uh, not fair. 
I, you know, I, I think actually some of our better episodes of the podcast are the ones where we really didn't like an episode. <laughs> That's true. So I think I would rather take the junkie season, but continuing to do the podcast. I'm going to go the same direction. I think that like sometimes the podcast really comes alive when you're angry. <laughs> the last three seasons of Supergirl is a constant feeling of deja vu. It's like you're watching the same season over and over again, only it's getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> did we know about this bridge? They did mention the Omega Hedron. They, they did. The Fort Ross crash site, which I was like, okay, so they do sort of remember a season one, but did the Omega Hedron, somebody in the chat, let us know, uh, did, did it explode? Because that's what it sounded like. I, I just remember like General Lane and Maxwell Lord like having it, having it at the end yeah. of season one. And, so then, and then I feel like it was like a, a thing that they were setting up for season two and then it moved networks and maybe some ideas about what season two was going to end up being and then it never came back into play so i was surprised when they were like yes when the omega hedron exploded i was like on this show that happened. <laughs> <laughs> so for plot reasons they made up this bridge and then tried to gaslight into us to believing <laughs> it, it existed all along um because they do have that power. They do. Um, and they're not using it responsibly. <laughs> uh, so are we my negative for this episode? You know what? I'm on neutral, I think. I might have even, be, even been skewing towards mon positive. Oh. Love, he had the beard. He did have the beard. Always a plus. Always uh -huh. a plus. Making, helps with the, with the mon feelings. And then he did his little cape trick. Which was great. I, I like that. He was like, look at Cara, look. And she was like, you're still doing it great. And then and then at the end, he was like, I will never see you again. Good day. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, weird flex. Weird flex. <laughs> you're not leaving me. I'm leaving you forever. It's like, you're a time traveler. You can come back when, okay, bye. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. She's like, hey, Monelle, are you going to come to to Alex and Kelly's wedding? Do you have some time? Never in this lifetime. <laughs> Goodbye. I just the uh, the the dr over dramatics of that um, statement completely was unnecessary. So unnecessary. She's like, I didn't even ask. Was like, <laughs> Listen, not only am I not coming to your sister's wedding, I will literally never see you again. <laughs> but it was great. And she was like, I don't. Okay. Goodbye. It's like what a what an uncomfortable what an uncomfortable moment with your ex boyfriend. <laughs> you're just like I'm just trying to be normal, dude. I'm just trying to be normal, and you're just being you're taking this to a twenty, and I'm at I'm at a nine here. Like I don't know why it has to be like this. I saw an interview with Katie McGraw where she was like, "I'm at a completely different wedding." than everyone else. <laughs> Katie McGraw said that she, Lena, looked like a, what was it, like a Colombian drug lord. <laughs> she looks like the rich wife of a of a mafia don. She, <laughs> she looks like she came out of like a real housewife situation and then rolled into a hot topic. She, <laughs> she looks like the 
fanciest goth at the ball. Lena Luther has showed up completely dressed for a different occasion than, <laughs> than everyone else. One last time to give me joy one final time. And I love it so much. And I hope she never changes. She started the Lena Luther Foundation. What does that do? What What is it? The logo of it gave me no indication. It's just like a tree. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, maybe the Lena Luther Foundation is is bringing magic to the masses. Oh, yeah, possibly. Yes, she's just like she's she, handing out twigs for people to sniff. She's teaching she's teaching young girls to make poultices and <laughs> live off live off the woods. Like just like these are the berries you can eat, and these are the berries you can't. Maybe she has like a summer camp for, for, for young. A, a witch's summer camp. I think we're really pitching a spinoff that I would actually like to see. <laughs> like starring Lena Luther in the camp 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 kids. It's called Witch for a Summer Exclamation <laughs> Point. And Lena starring Lena Luther. And she's got like and she's got like a like a little camper's outfit with like a with little like whistle. A whistle. Around. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is a perfect end point for Lena. It makes total sense. <laughs> we know now what the Lena Luther Foundation is. It is not, we in do. fact, uh, a, a summer camp for witches, uh, but it is uh, a uh, an organization that has created a renewable energy source, a source that'll provide affordable power to national cities underprivileged uh so did did you uh expect that out of the lena luther foundation what 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 are your thoughts on now that we know what that is to be honest i thought that the lena luther foundation was going to involve more trees given the logo (laughs) of the foundation could the trees be part of her initiative Ooh, they could what if what if part of her initiative for cleaner energy she's like you know what we need more trees what if she's just like walking around she's just got a pocket full of seeds she's just kind of like behind her uh, a forest <laughs> and i liked that she got to be editor-in-chief of catco that i thought was really cool oh it's almost like we maybe had already talked about hmm. that two years <laughs> ago <laughs> should I, I feel like we should Maybe Re- go go back in time two years yeah. to 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 revisit when we talk about so. that. I never really thought about this until now, and I don't know why. But now, if it was my show, I would have Kara's endpoint for her to be the cat Grant at the end of the show. Yes. Am I am I am I late to this party? Oh, I like that so much. Did 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 everyone else come to this conclusion before me and I've just now had this realization? I mean, I don't I don't think so. I think this is something that we're discovering right now. <laughs> we're the only ones who have thought about we this. We are the only people who have ever thought this thought. How dare you, Rebecca? <laughs> At Super Sidekick says, please explain Lex and Nixley becoming lizard people mid-battle. I'm so lost. I'm glad that that this was brought up when i was watching the episode i screamed what why why is this (laughs) happening what why and it was really never explained the nixley one is much more lizardy and also it's a lizard with bangs i didn't know (laughs) that a lizard with bangs was something i needed in my life until i saw it on supergirl and then i was like lizard girl you working it (laughs) (laughs) at sl fricky said hope hmm oh (laughs) eh (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I 
out of seven Allstone totems, <laughs> how many Allstone totems would you give Supergirl season six? Two or three Allstones? Uh, maybe. I'm going to three three seems fair three seems fair it's generous i'm gonna be honest um but i'll i'll stop on three <laughs> two yeah. feels rough this is hard. maybe more correct <laughs> this was this was hard for me as well i i settled on maybe 3.5 because i i thought three initially but uh but I, but the more I thought about it, I was like, well, all right, well, I'll give it some of the things that I thought it did well. We talked about some of the things that worked for us. I thought it had a few good moments and a few good episodes, but overall, I thought season six was pretty confusing, that it wasn't well written. Uh, and it, for me personally, had a disappointing end for a final season about a show supposedly about Supergirl. That's what we're told. Um, so <laughs> I think, I think as a whole, I would probably land somewhere between a three and 3.5 as well so uh that's interesting that we both have (laughs) i will say the the highest in the chat is five the lowest in the chat is zero (laughs) um but maybe the most correct in the chat is nicole's answer uh i give it the hope totem that was yeeted into the sun <laughs> we don't have a worst episode per se no. in the category no. uh choices here, but we do have an episode that maybe <laughs> could have been better. So my top two, a few good women. So that's the second episode of the season, and uh, which includes Lex Luthor's trial. And I don't remember anything else that happens in that episode. <laughs> Because the trial blotted it out of my mind, like a <laughs> sort of like a full eclipse situation where maybe something good happened. I don't know. Lex trial. Uh, <laughs> it was it was quite bad. And then <laughs> uh, then my second uh, my my other one that's in contention right now is hope for tomorrow, uh, oh, yeah. which is where she throws the hope totem. Into the sun, just into the sun. <laughs> just directly uh, into the sun. She, her whole thing is hope, but in the critical moment, she was like, "Into the sun, you go." Um, <laughs> that one was confusing on like a a variety of levels. <laughs> um, it's really hard to describe. And so, so I've got these two where one is like has a really bad thing in it, and then. The rest of it is so unmemorable that I don't <laughs> even recall what happens. The other one was like every aspect of it is kind of bad. And so yeah. I feel like I have to go with the one where it's just sort of bad all the way through. I, maybe there was something great besides that Lex trial. I don't know. I don't remember it. Uh, so, uh, so I'm going to go with hope for tomorrow. I feel like if your main character's main thing is hope and you have them throw it into the sun, like quite literally into the sun. There should be you, some you don't need of, it. That should be a choice that you're making on like a grand character level that you need to address. <laughs> the next episode can't just be like, all right, guys, pot stickers. Uh, <laughs> I've always been a, a Brainy India uh, shipper at and fanatic. And so the way they were able to uh, build their relationship, make it a little more grown up, uh, even though it was weird, very weird at the end, how he was going to leave and then didn't and all that. <laughs> Do we think the Kaluans are just uh, uh, an extinct extinct race now? I, I think okay. it's a uh, blights out for them. 
<laughs> Bear will portray a famous or noted Kryptonian who plays a significant role helping Kara when she faces circumstances beyond her control. Now, as a um, a Roswell fan from back in the day, original Roswell, not not this new Roswell, original Roswell. I am so happy that Jason Bear is going back to his roots playing aliens. The Zorel who's been in the Phantom Zone for a really long time still looking great by the way jason bears time doesn't pass there (laughs) (laughs) they had melissa and they had jason bear looking good by the way and they could (laughs) have still looking good still got it jason (laughs) they're dementors okay i'm not gonna can't sugarcoat the dementors but jason bear is there i mean there He's still there. On, still still looking good, Jason Bear. <laughs> I have a question about the fate of Zorel, aka uh, Jason Bear. Still keeping it tight. Still looking Did- good. They're looking so good. Uh, <laughs> but how has she grown as a character? I guess the question is, should she grow as a character in the Phantom Zone? I mean, yes, I think in theory she should have. Uh, she met her dad. Jason Bear's looking great. Still um, looking good. Still looking good. Still still holding it down, Jason Bear. <laughs> <laughs> Zarel uh Zarell. Makes appearance. Uh Jason, Jason Bear. Bear. Hey, how are you? <laughs> oh, it's been a long hiatus, Jason Bear. How are you doing? Still doing good? <laughs> Still looking good. Still looking good, Jason Bear. I have a question about the Phantom Zone. Does Zorel need to come back and get Kara out? <sighs> that's the thing, is I think he must. I think that's he's the only one who knows how to get in uh and get out. He's the only one who's done it before. Maybe he has to wear the outfit again. Maybe <laughs> Maybe that has to happen. Listen, if we can get Jason Bear back on the show, looking so good, looking so good, and we can just get him back for me, that would be that would be really nice. Her dad, she thought was dead, oh, was Jason alive. Bear. He was keeping it tight, keeping it he so tight. Favorite guest star. The right answer is Cat Grant. It was great Correct. to see close to back. Yeah, my answer is absolutely Jason Bear. Uh, <laughs> listen, do I think that they wrote Zorel fantastically? No. Did I expect that there was going to be more of like an emotional reunion between father and daughter? Yes. Was there? No. <laughs> but that, none of that was Jason Bear's fault. He tried no. his best. He did. He looked great while doing it. 100%. And so, and so for that, I give it to Jason Bear. I thought it was uh, was cool to get to see Krypton before, you know, boom. And get to see her family, all of which have been recast. In a lot of ways, this really was a different time for Kara. Sure, yeah. Her mom looked different. Her dad looked different. (laughs) Wasn't, let's be honest, not keeping it as tight. Uh, (laughs) Better portrayal of Zor-El, Robert Gant or Jason Bear? I liked Robert Gant. I thought he did a good job, but Jason Bear really brought him to life, I think. Uh, Jason Bear really brought the gravitas to the role. <laughs> <laughs> he he really like Im- 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 imbued uh, Zorel with like a lot of anger uh, and environmentalism, a lot of sadness in the Phantom Zone. He was like, "Oh, it's terrible here," uh, but also looking so good for a man who's been stuck <laughs> in the Phantom Zone. What girl? What you doing? What's your fitness regime there? He's like, he's like, listen. Every day I run miles being chased by Dementors. And it's like, well, <laughs> it's working for you. <laughs> they should definitely keep Magan around, though. At Anthony Nia said, a solid episode with a great cliffhanger. My only question is, where is Magan? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. I, I just need to stop reading this this tweet and, like, just really... <laughs> 
Just really think about it. <laughs> oh my God. Did did they ever explain? Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Anthony says, now AWOL for seven episodes. <laughs> Supergirl being in the Phantom Zone means that Supergirl's not in National City and that could be a problem. It was just like, everybody was just like, Oh well, gotta find Supergirl. It wasn't I like you can see like McGon, McGon's out there patrolling. So that's a, well, no one's no one's even brought her back. No one's even <laughs> brought her in. No one's even said McGon, listen, you can stop <laughs> patrolling. Poor McGon is still out there patrolling. Alex is a is a talented painter, <laughs> a skill that she's kept deep inside she you know while she was getting her like phd but also uh the rising up the ranks in the deo it was a very stressful time for her she also had a drinking problem all simultaneous and and she would go home and sometimes just to let off steam she would just she would paint fairies that was kind of what she was best at and so in this case she's like you know who we really miss who all of us really miss and we can't we don't know where she is, is Magan. So I'm going to, the closest you're going to get to Magan is I'm going to paint her on your wall. None of us remember to, to like wonder where she is or ask about her or just like check in on her, but she's there on your wall. So don't worry. She's just fine. One presumes, can't know. I was trying to think of like how they could use that in the story. <laughs> and what I would do is I would have like Magan stuck in the painting. <laughs> What if you just heard from the corner, guys, guys, it's me, help. <laughs> That's why we haven't seen her. She's stuck in the painting. She's stuck in the painting. Supergirl, she disappeared for months on end and nobody even talked about that. <laughs> nobody nobody, nobody seemed to miss her. Yeah. Nobody even noticed. You know she why? Because just... Magan was out patrolling. Somebody <laughs> was still protecting the streets. <laughs> you know what, Rebecca? She still is. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather find out who was the leader of Leviathan? Or find out where Magan has been. Where? Oh, or find out where Magan, where did she go? <laughs> <laughs> you can't have Supergirl without Supergirl. The better option would have been to, like, try to pitch a spinoff. Yes. With, like, a character from Supergirl. So you try to pitch the Dreamer spinoff or the, the Sentinel spinoff or the Space Dad spinoff. He's finally going to find Magan in that painting. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that would make such a great show. Like right. his search for Magan. Like, where is she? What is she doing? <laughs> I would watch that show. He's like, I was told in the future that we have a child, but how can we if I never find her? <laughs> New Rachel says it's kind of like a sci-fi room of requirement, which is kind of like uh, Harry Potter. So we're really just digging uh, into the Harry Potter mythology, which you know what? I, I don't even hate it. Like. I think I'm, it's, fi I'm fine with I it. Think it's, it's cool. Let's, I'm let's in, do I'm it. Into let's it. do it. <laughs> there's there's not as many owls as maybe there could be. I can, I can maybe use some more owls. I mean, in, if we're going to go show. full Harry Potter, I mean, mm -hmm. at least at least give us some pet owls. What would you rather have happen to you? Uh, so these are the options. So the first one is you're imprisoned for 10 years after accidentally posting a copyrighted song on a podcast and you are forced at gunpoint to steal uranium in a work release program. So that's your first one. Or would you rather be attacked repeatedly by an owl just because someone's mother doesn't like you? So I think I'm, maybe I'm going to go in prison for 10 years uh, because at least at least I'll be uh, away from an owl. Uh, this is an owl. One owl. I can oh. bite an owl. Oh. It doesn't say a lot. Owl says, oh, that's true. An owl. So one owl comes at me, <laughs> head mask. 
Like, so you know. you're 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 fighting for your life, is, is right? What you're doing. So Eliza shows up out of nowhere. She's got a gun. She's killing sure. some owls, <laughs> and she says, "I forgot about the owl." <laughs> she she says, "It's it's like it's like it could be a Kryptonian." How? What? How does that make sense? <laughs> it doesn't. Because she's got a gun. How does how does shooting owls with a gun make her like a Kryptonian? I mean, maybe he likes being a trash monster. Maybe he's like just coming in with like some takeout in his hand. You can't see it. He's like, hey, you guys, game night. And everybody just freaks out. Everybody just assumes the worst. You see a trash monster and you think, run, hide. But maybe... Maybe he just wants to hang out. Yeah, maybe he's maybe he's a <laughs> nice trash- being too judgmental of <laughs> yeah. the giant trash monster. I think Garbage Man probably has his reasons. I th- I think I think we're prejudging Garbage Man. <laughs> I think we should just let this play out. <laughs> <laughs> I did like seeing Calix again. I was like, yeah. "Hey, buddy!" Didn't really know the future. What the future was going <laughs> to hold for Calix? Uh, uh, murdered a couple times. Garbage monster. <laughs> I completely forgot about the garbage. <laughs> I only remember the garbage monster because we spent like 20 minutes parsing the trailer one time. And I like took the, the brave and bold uh, position that the garbage monster was misunderstood. And then it turned out the garbage monster was misunderstood. Like just a <laughs> stupid joke I was making. And it was Calix. Because I'm asking the question, uh, the, the question that uh, Liz Lemon as uh, Mrs. Donaghy in the season five episode of uh 30 rock she asks what is art and uh jack donaghy says it's painting of paintings of horses that's what he thinks art is Uh, so i I mean horses are hard to draw have you ever tried to draw a horse he's he's not wrong though he's not wrong that moment where (laughs) supergirl is fighting the insanely evil councilwoman who by the way we need to talk about her because uh, I was obsessed when she killed that assistant for the sandwich. Uh, I was like, is this art? Is this art, Rebecca? I, she goes, I, would kill she for looks, the, I would kill for a sandwich right now. She looks at the sandwich and she just goes, I did that. Like, what, <laughs> what am I watching? You know, I've been asking the question, Morgan, what mm-hmm. is art? What and I'm still, art? I, I still, <laughs> the, uh, the only answer I know is paintings of horses, of course. I but, mean, uh, so in a lot of ways, this one does. <laughs> <laughs> in all, it checks off all the boxes. Is it emotional? It made me feel something. Does it have a horse in it? <laughs> check, check, check. The saga of Florida Lee is very complicated and it has a lot of depth. <laughs> I can't wait until like our 400th episode when we get like the complete... <laughs> Yeah, there will be a Fleur de Lis saga montage for sure. It's going to be great. Disclaimer for snap number two. Okay. Always good when there's a disclaimer for a snap judgment. <laughs> what are you doing to us, Santa? Okay. Uh, she said, I struggled with this snap. I know the councilwoman is supposed to be the villain. I personally find all villains interesting on these types of shows. And I know this was a serious topic, but I want to treat this villain the same way I would treat any other villain on the show. Other villains have tried to mind control the planet and kill Supergirl, but I'm aware this villain is supposed to be worse than those villains due to real world issues. Okay. So that is Anna's <laughs> pre-snap <laughs> disclaimer. <laughs> Amazing. <sighs> really, uh, really pioneering new uh, new avenues on the snap judgment. Here. In- innovating in the world of snap judgments. <laughs> Anna is an innovator. Okay. So <laughs> during a live Supergirl radio 
live stream, you remember that your real name is Madeleine Delarue, and you are actually from medieval France with a spouse and children who love you. And then a temporary portal opens behind you, and you have five minutes to decide whether to return home. What do you do? Tearfully say goodbye to your co-host, possibly Mike. <laughs> Possibly, Mike. I'm just not. I'm just gonna get out of there without even saying <laughs> bye to Mike. Am I? Am yeah. I also saying goodbye to Mike? Is I that, mean, you might want I mean, to. I'm yeah. to you. you probably have friends and family members you might want to say bye to first. <laughs> um, and the listeners of Supergirl Radio, and walk into the portal and immediately into the arms of your French-speaking family who have been missing you and begging for your return. Or decide to stay in the present time and live the rest of your days missing your children, Isabella, Catalina, Fleur de Lis, Vincent, and your spouse, Pierre, who you had been married to for years and loved your whole life. I think I would need a little confirmation that this was happening. This was a thing. I wouldn't just be like, oh, I guess my memories are telling me this stuff. Like, I would need a little proof. I would immediately before- go to therapy, uh, I think. I mean, I do feel like there's an obligation there. If you have children, let me, you, you should, you know, I would probably feel an obligation to be there for the children. And who knows what Pierre is like? He might be a, a good looking, uh, you know, a good looking nobleman, but he also might be like a, like a, an abusive father and husband. What if he's he's terrible? So uh, we don't have that information. (laughs) We don't know. So you could, you could, he could be a, he could be a terrible person. Um, Hmm. I don't hmm. know. I think I would probably stay in the Supergirl radio present day just because <laughs> I don't have enough information to go back to France. So you're abandoning your child, Fleur de Lis. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to stay here because I like, have a whole life here. Yeah. I just spent kind of a lot of money on a wedding. I don't, <laughs> I don't know this Pierre guy. Does Pierre like all the same shows I like? What if... <laughs> What, what if, if there are no shows? What if Pierre okay. wants to watch The Bachelor instead of Top Chef? Like, what am I going to do? I don't want to watch that. Last week on Supergirl Radio, you both decided to stay in the present day and not return to your medieval French child, Fleur de Lis. Anna, this is feeling a little judgmental. All right. Just, just to say, just to start, I'm feeling a little judged. Okay. But she learns of your choice Uh-oh. and she's devastated. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Hold on. (laughs) I got to get it together. Okay. She spends her days learning to understand time travel, which unfortunately leads her to become a hired assassin (laughs) in France in order to afford the funds to build a time travel machine. On her 14th birthday. Wait, she's 14 and she's a hired assassin? (laughs) It's brutal. We left her. We left Fleur all on her own. My God, what have we done? Okay. On her 14th birthday, she finally makes it to the present present day after years of hard work. 785 murders. Holy cow. Wow. Serial killer stuff. She is a serious. I don't want to mess with her. (laughs) And confronts you in your bedroom at 4 a.m. In a teary monologue, she says, Mayor, why did you not pick me? All my, all I wanted my whole life was to be good enough for you, but you didn't love me enough to come back to me. What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> tell her she's right and that you didn't love her enough and will never love her enough. And tell her to leave your home because it's the middle of the night. Or embrace her in your arms and apologize and offer to let her live with you. So what are we doing 
with our wayward child, Fleur de Lis, <laughs> who is murdered over nearly 800 people, <laughs> who has built a time travel machine, who has showed up in our bedroom at 4 a.m. to be a little judgy about our life choices. <laughs> what are we doing, Rebecca? I am going to choose, uh, tell her that she's right and that I didn't love her enough and will never love her <laughs> enough and tell her to leave the home because it's the middle of the night. She's killed almost 800 people. <laughs> she needs to go to jail. Twist. I'm going in the opposite direction. <laughs> it's 4 a.m. This little killer is in my bedroom. And she's like, mama, love me. If, I, if I'm like, listen, listen, kid, not only do I not love you, I've never loved you. She's going to kill you. definitely going to kill me. So instead, <laughs> instead, I'm going in another direction. I'm going to be like, oh, mon chéri, give mama a hug. I like that there's like now a continuity of our self-judgment. <laughs> Are we ready? It's about to get weird. Last week on Supergirl Radio, you were reunited with your French child, Fleur de Lis. <laughs> uh, you soon discover, due to the lack of forensic evidence, it's not possible to arrest or charge her with any crime. But that is okay, because you soon realize that she is a very polite and conscientious child. Oh, this took a turn. <gasps> okay. Great, great, Anna. She, I like she, this. She, she murdered almost 800 people, though. <laughs> Let's not this forget. Is, I mean, that's where the, the snap judgment ends, right? Like, the... We're just, she's a great kid, right? Okay. Right, Anna? That's, that's what All we're right. going with. Okay. <laughs> you enroll her in the local public school, and our teachers write you long emails of gratitude for giving them such a diligent, hardworking, and scientific and mathematical genius of a student. At home, she does all her chores promptly and makes you traditional French meals and delicacies. She's nice. kind to animals and offers to sing uh, to sing to you and brush and braid your hair each night. So <laughs> That's she's a like, little she's like a like a Disney animal, <laughs> <laughs> like, a, like a little bird from. <laughs> okay, one night as you watch her sew by candlelight in her bedroom, you see her cry. <laughs> she reveals to you that your ex husband. Pierre forced her to become an assassin to feed the family that she had to secretly borrow Vincent's school books to teach herself science and math and that she has never had a friend and wishes she had a friendship like the one you and your co-host have in order to lift her spirits. What do you suggest be done? <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Offer to have Mike take her on vacation to France to visit her old hometown in the present day and visit the historical cemetery where Pierre and the others are buried to get closure. Wait, who are the others? The other children? I guess the other children. We couldn't okay. save them all. Yeah, we left well, a lot and of I, them. I guess is this uh, is <laughs> is this uh, past like time travel? Are we still? Think, so we she's still the... she's from the past. Yeah, and this is, the, is this yeah. a continuation of like? Our previous snapshot. I think before. so. Okay, yeah, I so think we're <laughs> operating under the premise that like that this is time travel. All those people are already dead. Pierre, all, all the those other people, children, super they've, dead. They've already died. Okay. They, they died. They died in the past. But okay. she made it to the future because she's diligent. She, uh, she murdered eight hundred people, people to to pay for the time travel machine. <laughs> so are we are we making Mike take her on a vacation to France? Now notice in this. It's just Mike, and I feel uncomfortable with this. <laughs> it seems like we're just sending uh, our little killer, Fleur de Lis, <laughs> on vacation with Mike. I don't know how he's going to feel about it. Okay, uh, to visit the historical cemetery where Pierre and the others are buried to get closure, or sign her up for a two-week Canadian winter wilderness youth camp where she is bound to make a friend and heal in nature. I mean, 
mean, maybe Mike has a great relationship with Fleur. She has killed a lot of people, though, Rebecca. But she's doing great in school, so maybe <laughs> she's, she's a good kid now. So maybe it's not so bad. So maybe she really just needs some closure. Maybe, That's, you know, because she's had a hard time. Pierre made her kill all those people. It's brutal. It was really brutal. Pierre's fault. It was Pierre's fault, definitely. <laughs> it does seem like she needs a friend. What if Mike is that friend that she needs? How does she feel about D&D? <laughs> <laughs> now I've talked myself into <laughs> the option with Mike. Because I really like the idea that Mike has now entered the Fleur de Lis story. <laughs> we, and have brought him in. Well, I'm glad that Mike uh, gets to go to Paris in that scenario. <laughs> I think I'm going to send my little killer to the Canadian wilderness. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I think she's going to make a lot of age-appropriate friends. But the other thing is, I think that she's just going to, like, uh, pun intended, kill it out there. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, if she needs if she needs to go hunting, she's going to be like, I got it, and just, like, pull a knife out of nowhere yeah. and, like, just take care of business. And I think in the Canadian wilderness camp, like, the other kids are going to find that not frightening like I would, but cool. Oh, my God. She skinned a bear, they'll say what a cool girl <laughs> and suddenly she's the coolest girl in the canadian wilderness camp <laughs> everybody wants to be her friend who will she choose to be friends with can't wait to see what she does next week <laughs> <laughs> last week on supergirl radio you work to help your daughter fleur de lis heal from her trauma she now has a friend in her ninth grade class and the two become inseparable their dynamic is a bit like lena and Kara. And while Rebecca is confident that they are just friends, Morgan is starting to wonder if there is romance brewing. Life is good, but you do hear reports on the news of high schoolers who have mysteriously vanished. Uh, oh, no. Fleur. All students who have coincidentally been bullying your daughter's friend. Uh oh. Fleur. No. <laughs> One freezing, snowy, and early Monday morning. You awaken to get ready to drive Fleur to school when you see an elderly woman clutching a cane in your kitchen. It's your youngest daughter, Isabelle. <laughs> uh, or it might be oh. Isabelle. Isabelle. Uh, Fleur de Lis rushes past you and embraces her as she explains that she spent all her life trying to dec decode Fleur de Lis's time travel design notes and has finally succeeded. As you are processing this, you suddenly hear your window smash and in crawls your co-host, having just broken in. She's covered in glass and snow, Ugh. clutching a suitcase. Joyous news! I have just learned I am descended from Vince Vincent, your son. I am your great, 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 and more granddaughter. Wait, what? Hang, wait, hang on. We're related wait, now. Wait, <laughs> hang on. So let me let me make sure I understand this. So, so Fleur is totally Fleur. killing the people in her class. That is established, right? <laughs> I don't know. Fascinating. The people who are mean. Or is it her, her friend? Is it her friend doing it? Oh, that now that would be a twist. She was like, finally, I, I'm in a really good, healthy place. And I don't know why I'm just bonding with this girl. I feel like she knows me. I feel like we are in some way alike. And the girl's like, like <laughs> killing people. Okay. So, so for example, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm crawling in. Through, You're crawling in through glass, through glass. I don't know why you didn't just come in the front door. You're invited. <laughs> I feel like. I could have found a better way to come in. You probably could have. It's a little rude. But now I'm your great, great, great and more granddaughter? <laughs> y yes. It appears that way. We are related in this scenario. Okay. So it's getting twisty. It's getting twisty. But, okay. But I'm, but I, 
But I'm the. Why old didn't you lady. just call me? <laughs> but I, but I'm an old lady with a cane. Wait, yes? no, no. The old lady with the cane is our other daughter, Isabeau. Is a is a bow who is finally deciphered Fleur. See, Fleur de Lis was precocious. She was a child genius. Yes. Uh, and Isabeau, Isabeau figured not so out much. the time travel machine. Yes, but it took her a really long time. So Isabeau, now she's old. Isabeau was a little bit of a dummy. Like, we, <laughs> there was a reason we liked Fleur better, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> so, so we're having a family reunion. You crash in through the window. Again, could have texted walked in the door you're always <laughs> welcome and you crash in dramatically we're related <laughs> okay 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 we haven't gone to the snap judgment yet by the way this is just this is set up storytelling this is just <laughs> storytelling <laughs> um, what do you do next let both your co-host and Isabeau live with you since a famille means family and family means no one gets left behind or forgotten or tell them you only want Fleur de Lis and send your co-host and Isabeau back out into the snowstorm and watch your co-host steal your keys and drive away in your car and watch Isabeau struggle to walk on the icy ground in her thin jaw, her head lowered in sadness as the snow engulfs her with Fleur de Lis sobbing in the open doorway, screaming out for her sister, Isabeau! <laughs> and it's some flavor at the end. Uh, <laughs> three years have passed since your co-host moved in with you oh you, oh right because we found out we were related we're all related yeah all yeah related. okay yeah yeah uh you and your co-host are driving home from a girl's night out when a dark cloaked figure jumps from the back seat and knocks you both unconscious mm. oh no one of us was driving uh <laughs> <laughs> you awaken in a forest tied to a pine tree your co-host already awake is struggling to free herself from another tree after an hour you hear running and in comes 17-year-old Fleur de Lis. Relief washes over her face as she rushes over to you and begins to untie you. Then your kidnapper rises from the bushes. It's your daughter's best friend. Fleur looks shocked. Her best friend starts her villain monologue and explains that Fleur killed her father in France. So she time traveled to get revenge and only pretended to love Fleur to have it hurt more. Mm. Fleur's voice breaks as she begs her best friend not to betray her. The best friend smiles without remorse and says, now you know, the, uh, now you will know the pain I felt and turns and points the gun at your chest and fires. The pain is sudden and overwhelming. As your vision fades, you hear your co-host screaming your name. A scuffle and more shots as the best friend falls to the ground, taken down by Fleur. A frantic Fleur with her hands on your bleeding chest, begging you not to leave her again. In your last moments, you feel nothing, but her warm tears hit your face. As you leave your body, death, who looks like Katie McGraw in a wig, <laughs> greets... <laughs> It's a bad wig, too, I'm sure. Greets you and informs you that you are destined to be a ghost, but that you have a choice to make. What do you choose? <laughs> that was all the lead up, by the way. That was, judgment. that was just a beautiful, exquisite <laughs> storytelling. All right. What do you choose? You can be a guardian ghost protector of your loved ones, daughter, co-host, and Mike from Oregon, <laughs> and you will be able to protect them from harm without them knowing, but will have to witness them painfully grieve and eventually move on. And once they all pass from old age, you will fade into nothingness. Or you will be a ghost that travels the world and you can make ghost friends and live <laughs> a great ghost life, but she will never be allowed near your loved ones again and will only be informed of what became of their lives from death 
when they also die someday. So is is Katie McGraw de- um, Katie McGraw death like is she Katie just McGraw like, hanging out with us? It has become death. <laughs> she is she is the uh, she's got the like the giant hood in my mind over top oh, of the bad oh, wig one hundred percent and like the yeah like the little thing she's holding and and she's like hello welcome to the afterlife here are your choices here's your final snap judgment <laughs> <laughs> choose wisely. <laughs> I think I would, I mean, I want to travel the world for sure. I mean, the travel the world, that sounds great. But I also like the idea that I would be able to be a guardian. I would like to be a, a ghost guardian for the people that I care about. I think I, I think I would want to, to make sure everybody I knew was okay. That's such a, yeah, that's a really sweet one. I'm going to go in the opposite direction. You're um, going to make ghost friends. I'm going to go around the world. Ghost friends, it's time for me to live my ghost life. And the <laughs> thing is, so this is this is my loophole because in the first snap judgment, once all of my friends and family die uh, and move on, uh, I'm fading into nothingness. Right. However, in this second snap judgment, maybe they become a ghost too. Oh. And then... And then, like, me and Mike and, like, you and Ghost Speaker and Bunsen, we can all hang out. We can go travel. We can travel the world. That does sound nice. Hey, Ghost of Anne Boleyn, how's it hanging? (laughs) (laughs) In this snap, your fallen co-host was the mother of Fleur de Lis. After you witnessed your co-host's murder by the best friend, you have taken guardianship of orphaned Fleur de Lis. A month has passed and you haven't been sleeping much because of the flashbacks have kept you awake. One day, Fleur de Lis emerges from her room and announces, I have created technology to bring my mom back to life. But first, we have to capture her ghost form. (laughs) Okay. I have tracked down her exact location to a high security mansion in... California. Mm. What do you do next? Agree to the plan and go with Fleur de Lis to the mansion and attempt to break in to capture and bring your ghost co-host back to life or tell Fleur de Lis that you want to take the technology and go alone because you feel responsible for your co-host's death and need to do this alone to prove to yourself that you can still save her. So there's like no scenario in which we're not going to this mansion. I just want to be clear. <laughs> like there's no scenario in which we're in which we're just we abandoning the ghost of our co-host and just getting on with our lives. Would you do that? You would just leave no, me. Of course, you I would just leave it. Ghost Rebecca hanging in the woods. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. I just like to have the choice, you know. <laughs> Free will and all, Rebecca. I'm coming to get you. <laughs> I think I have to go with Fleur de Lis. I don't know how to work this technology. I don't know anything about, I mean, I've, you know, I've uh, gone to some paranormal investigation uh, presentations before, but but I don't know, I don't know how to work this technology. I think I need the expertise from Fleur de Lis to help, to help. I I, I think the better, you know, it's strength in numbers when you're, when you're dealing with ghosts is what I'm saying. So I'm also going to go with Fleur de Lis. I have a couple of I have a couple of reasons why I'm not saying it's her fault, <laughs> but I'm not saying it's not her fault. You know what I, I mean? mean like, it was, did, didn't her friend, it murder? was her friend who murdered you. Yeah. And also we didn't have any of these problems before she showed up. I'm not <laughs> saying, again, again, 
not blaming Fleur, not blaming Fleur. But she came and suddenly there are a lot of issues bobbing up. You know, you weren't a ghost before she showed up. And we did get a note from Anna who wrote, quote, Thank you for reading my snaps. I really loved being part of the podcast. You two are forever two of my favorite people uh, with the heart and the quote. Um, so, uh, Anna, I, I just want to tell you, uh, personally that, uh, your snap judgments have really, uh, added to the podcast, even though they're very difficult. Morgan and I had to talk about each other's deaths, uh, and <laughs> even though they're always very dramatic, we always go on a real journey with you. Like a yeah. it's real storytelling, Anna, you have a yeah. gift. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, listeners really love your snaps. Uh, so thank you for contributing to Supergirl radio and adding a little something, uh, different that we didn't expect. <laughs> I miss the Fleur de Lis saga. We Me have, too. I think we cl- it feels like we closed the book on Fleur de Lis. <laughs> That needs to but, be reopened. But what a book. <laughs> Absolutely. I would want Director Bones. It's never going to happen, but man, what, it was <laughs> never so good. Happen. Happy National Fossil Day. Morgan, did you know it was National Fossil Day? My favorite day. <laughs> I mark it on the calendar every year. <laughs> I put together a dinosaur in celebration. <laughs> well, it is National Fossil Day. And speaking of bones, our first news <laughs> item is a Sm- smooth, seamless transition, Rebecca. <laughs> we got a lot of messages uh, to the Supergirl Radio Twitter account and Facebook account about Stargirl this week. So this is a spoiler for Season 2, Episode 10 of Stargirl. So in this week's episode, a Mr. Bones was mentioned and said to have an association with Helix as he uh, does in the comics before becoming director of the DEO. He is uh, in association on the Stargirl series with the Helix Institute for Youth Rehabilitation. We don't actually see Mr. Bones, but we do hear him on the phone with a character named Louise Love, head nurse of the Helix Institute for Youth Rehabilitation. <laughs> and uh, so uh, we've talked about we've talked about uh, our beloved director Bones in uh, the Supergirl Radio Rebirth episodes. Uh, that we have done uh, just uh, <laughs> yes. as a reminder for people who have not listened to I those episodes. <laughs> just just a behind the scenes uh, peek at, at Supergirl Radio, at Rebecca and I's friendship. I have a framed <laughs> photo of Director Bones looking at the framed photo of Director Bones. <laughs> it's like Director Boneception. <laughs> that is she, in my house. <laughs> she said she wanted that, so I got it for her. <laughs> I was so happy. <laughs> I, I might know. be screaming about this. I've, uh, I'm really, I've been working on it. I've been kind of noodling over it since I found out this thing happened. I'm <laughs> you know, just trying to like process my, like all the stages of grief basically. Is what I'm I think I'm still at anger or bargaining maybe. Uh, I've not made it to acceptance, so it could be a while. <laughs> In the post-credit sequence of DC Stargirl se- season finale, the camera circled around Luis Love and revealed Mr. Bones! <laughs> Full skeleton, sharp tie, gloves to protect others from his cyanide sweat. We got a full skeleton man. Full skeleton. They Rebecca. did it. They did it. People were texting me like, did you see it? And I was like, why? <laughs> it's bittersweet. I'm really happy that this has happened. So happy for Stargirl. But so happy for Supergirl her. Supergirl could have done Stargirl, hashtag blessed. <laughs> I can't wait for the new DEO. But I feel like, do you, you think th- the new DEO 
Could have director bonus. Well, that's what I'm saying. So now they've reestablished the DEO, right? So and now they, they need a new director. And so they like get the resumes. <laughs> so now Mr. Bones, he's a mister now. He's not a director yet. And so he has a c- corporate ladder to climb is my point. <laughs> he's the, the DEO is not a now thing for him, but it is a later thing. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, headcanon, and they can't prove me wrong anymore. They can't. They just can't. Mm-hmm. Is that... <laughs> Is that he will someday become head of the DEO. And no one can tell me otherwise because this show is over. (laughs) (laughs) I know you both love the wacky side characters in the show and comics and help us listeners learn a lot about random folks like Cameron Chase and Director Bones. So I was super excited when both showed up in the Batwoman trade paperback I was reading. I was like, Director Bones, I know all about him and his cyanide sweat. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's. I mean, if we've given anything from this podcast, it's that that's, that's a, that says, was able to be said. With <laughs> I know all about Director Bones and his cyanide sweat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> My only concern was Stargirl. Is that we get that Mr. Bones season? We better get Mr. Bones. It's coming up. You can't cancel it before it's we so see close. Mr. Bones. Like Mr. Bones begins to step out of the shadows, and then like one of those big like warning signs, like those tests come up on the screen, and then that's it. The, the show is canceled. canceled. The show is canceled like mid episode. As soon as like <laughs> Director Bones is about to show up, they're like, "I'm sorry, we just got it from the CW network that this is canceled." <laughs> <laughs> I would be so mad. For this character spotlight, we are just going to really focus on uh, where Mr. Bones came from. What's his story? What's his journey? How does he figure out who he is and who he wants to be? Really, who is Bones? We're we're gonna we're gonna find out. <laughs> we want to, if if you will, we want to. Peel back the surface, and <laughs> perhaps that's already been done. And see, <laughs> who is who is a Mister Bones? Hector returns to the house after he's kind of cooled off, he, and he discovers that uh, something has happened to Lida. He discovers a Polaroid picture of Mister Bones holding Lida by the hair, with a note on the back reading, "Quote: Don't call the fuzz. Just cool your feet." Don't tell a soul or she's dead meat, unquote. So, Bo- <laughs> so Bone signed the photo. Uh, this is how he call- refers to himself. Uh, he signs the photo, Mr. Bones, head honcho of Helix. Just oh, every God. 20 years of the CW's <laughs> longest running superhero <laughs> show. Smallville, the complete series, 20th anniversary edition will soar onto Blu-ray for the first time ever from Warner Brothers Home Entertainment on October 19th, 2021. Uh, what was your favorite season of Smallville? I know a lot of people talk about season three, and season three is great. Really, the odd seasons of Smallville were the always odd seasons, better. Man. They were always better. <laughs> I think season five. I really enjoyed the season five of it all. I mean, Carrie Fisher uh, showed up for an episode. I, I loved a lot of those episodes in season five, so I think I'm going to go season five. I think season five was mine, too. That's so funny. Uh, I think that they... I feel like for, for me, season five is when they finally were like... I think I know what to do. It's been five years, but I think I know what to do with Lana. And like that, <laughs> God, but poor Kristen Kirk. And I think that was like the, the they were like, we've unlocked it. We've done it. <laughs> and it didn't feel like they were just kind of fishing around for something for this very prominent character to do. Uh, and they finally like kind of figured out. And then season six, they got, they were like, all right, we figured out what to do with Lana. What if we just made her go crazy? And, and then like, that, that was, was my so favorite great. Lana season. Yes. That was the best Lana season. That was the best Lana season. She, Do you uh, remember she, when her and Lex make out over a dead body? <laughs> that was 
that was top tier Lana Lang right there. <laughs> she and Lex get married. She becomes Lana Luther. She is threatening people in elevators. She wields guns and she knocked people over the head with shovels. And it was like my favorite, <laughs> favorite so Lana season. I, I loved her so much that season. I was like, <laughs> what is this feeling? Am I loving Lana Lang? <laughs> what did you think about this take on Lana? This is a feels like a very different kind of take on her when she came in with the with the big furry collar oh on that yeah coat, she looks great if we're getting a real housewives lana situation <laughs> this yes. is like a real take on this character the idea like when she like rolls up with her coat with a big furry collar and it's kind it looks like it's kind of like some sort of animal print and i was like oh my god are they giving us <laughs> lana lang real housewife of smallville kind of real <laughs> realness like i feel like i could be in for that where she's just kind of <laughs> just kind of day drinking in the afternoon or something <laughs> as the house of l is united superman supergirl superboy and jor-el <laughs> struggle to defeat the seemingly unstoppable rogal czar who is now teamed up with general zod Jack Zor, and even Gandello. New alliances are forged and betrayed, and Kara must fight battles on two fronts alongside her cousins and inside herself as she faces her own rage and the corrupting influence of Zar's axe. If she, if she survives at all, who will be the Supergirl who emerges on the other side? Join us on the epic finale to Supergirl's space opera adventure, and then it ends with the... Uh, also, if Brainiac is in the Hall of Doom, why is Lex Luthor upgrading an old Brainiac drone body? And why is the drone calling itself the true Brainiac? Unquote. A lot of that doesn't feel at all like what I just read. <laughs> is, am I crazy? I was like, wait a minute. What? Did I read? I literally had the, the feeling where I was like, did I? Oh, no. Did I read the wrong issue? <laughs> But then I looked over at Comixology and it definitely says 32. So I don't, well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the mention of General Zod and Jack Sewer, they're not in the issue whatsoever. N neither is Superman, really. I mean, Jor-El also not in the issue. <laughs> <laughs> right. We we did get Superboy and there's a mention of Jor-El in the issue, but he does not make an appearance. Uh, also, just a reminder, they brought him back from the dead. Uh, he did not explode on Krypton. So <laughs> just uh, as a reminder. Also, I don't think there is a space opera adventure. I don't know. Are you getting the vibe no, from no. Supergirl's story? <laughs> not at all. This, this is the description of a completely different issue <laughs> than, than the one I just read. Oh, my God. I thought that they had burst through a window, but I see now that the windows don't appear to have any glass in them. I don't know what is happening. Or do they have glass? Do they? No, no, because she burst through the windows. Wait. Okay. Okay. <laughs> We've uncovered something. <laughs> I'm deep in, I'm deep in. Please the, help me figure this out, I'm Morgan, because I do down, not know what is happening. I'm deep down the rabbit hole now, Rebecca. This is this is bad. <laughs> okay, so on page four, they're they're outside of the tower, right? Yes. You can clearly see that they're windows. Windows technically have glass, right? You, you would think, yeah. Uh-huh. So one assumes looking at the tower that there is indeed a window on that tower. Yeah. Then in the next in the next page. They're, they appear to be hovering in the window. Where's the they, glass? They just because fly in. They fly in. They fly in. So now I'm expected to believe that there is just a, a sky rise, sky, a skyscraper, which is what it would be. Yeah. But that has giant 
floor to ceiling windows that are just open, just open to the environment. So they're in the window. Apparently there's no glass in the window. Okay. Then page 10, when Gandello jumps out the window, you can clearly see that there's there glass. Are, there are glass shards in the window. Okay. Right. So now we're down the rabbit hole because, <laughs> because Rebecca, if you go back, if you go back, so you see the glass shards. I'm not, I'm not. No, I see. I see that. She, she crashes through. It's like she crashes yeah, through. She, Glass shards, as you'd expect. Now go back to page five. There's clearly no glass in that window. No, and there's I can not. Tell you why? Because they're not on the other side of the window, right? Because they never burst through it at any point. And crypto is half in and half out of the completely empty window. So <laughs> how in the world does she later jump out of it and there's glass? I'm in the living room. I'm reading it. Mike's in the kitchen, uh, getting something together or putting something away and I, I I was muttering to myself and he's like are you okay over there he's <laughs> like did you say something to me and I said I said am I sure I didn't miss an issue I say this every week <laughs> he's like I thought that's what you said I was like I I feel as if I've missed an issue I literally I was about I want to say three or four pages in and I went, huh? <laughs> and then I went back to the cover, checked the cover. Cover said 33. Okay. Checked the Google Doc. Google Doc said 33. Okay. Went back, said, no, no, I must have, I must just be confused. Read the pages over again and was still like, what did I miss? <laughs> it's so funny that you mentioned this because <laughs> in my Google Doc notes. This happened I'll, to me several times. <laughs> and I will show you this later so that you know that I'm not making this up. But in my Google Doc notes, I, I just put the heading confusion. And then I did a bullet point and I asked, did we miss something? There almost has to be an issue somewhere else that we didn't read that covers something in between Supergirl number 32 and number number 33. Was there any aspect of like the Supergirl mythology that you were really excited to use or to dive into? I know she's kind of all over the map in, as to, in terms of like things that she's done. She's been a soap opera star and she's, <laughs> you know, there's, there's been bottle cities and, you know, she's got super pets and stuff. So it, it's gone from the wax to like the more grounded stuff the best way to do super characters at least in my opinion is is to sort of strip all that stuff down like it seems like you know there's just like these barnacles that have have all these characters until until you've got you know angel wings and ectoplasm and all (laughs) like um like that it was that that was that was my approach was just like okay you're right like she's got the argo city thing and and her father has six different origin stories and he's sometimes he's alive and sometimes he's not alive. And often he's evil. Often he's evil. Sometimes he's a robot. Uh, and, and, and she has, you know, three different identity, three different secret identities. And, and, um, and, and then there's the, you know, the, the, the brilliant TV show and then, and all that stuff, which doesn't quite line up with the comics, but the people try to mesh them together. I was, I was like, yeah, well, I want to strip all of that away. And 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 except we'll we'll keep the dog because I love the dog and if I and <laughs> right, if I can have right. the and if I if, if we can fit in the horse then we'll get get the horse in because that's the craziest thing in comics that was ever in. Yeah, you, you are you are literally speaking our language because we love Comet the Super Horse because he's the weirdest character in DC oh, Comics. <laughs> We're always like pitching different ways we can incorporate him on the television show. We're like, but what if? <laughs> we hear me out. We have ways to do it. <laughs> I was doing research for this, and I and I and just just reading everything I 
I could. And I read a Comet issue where Comet falls in love with Lois Lane. And it gets really awkward because she thinks he's a horse, right? <laughs> and, uh, and then, like, you know, then he, he reveals her to himself to not be a horse. But, you know, she can't sort of cross the horse woman barrier. So she decides to also become a horse. So no. Who wrote this? This is an insane thing that somebody wrote. I thought the art in this one in general was just beautiful. This is art that the character deserves, basically. Yes. What I thought was really interesting was uh, it starts off with uh, Ruth Eye's narration of her being stuck on this cosmic bus and it's smelly and it's grimy and uh, yeah, there's an, a big alien with snot coming out of his nose and, and he's all up in her space and she's like, excuse me, sir, I uh, there was there was an understanding that we were to have a certain amount of space on this bus. And uh, so I really liked the way that the issue was structured where that was at the beginning and you get to see one scenario where Ruth I says, if you mess with me, uh, the person sitting next to you is a mighty ro- warrior and she could mess with you if uh, if you don't do what I'm asking. And we don't really see, it's sort of played for a, a laugh a little bit, I think, because Supergirl's sleeping while she says this. So it, Supergirl doesn't seem like a very threatening character in that moment. But at the end of the issue, we do see uh, kind of a callback to that where it comes back and it's a similar situation where Ruth I is saying, excuse me, sir, you're in my space. <laughs> and, uh, and then Supergirl does act and she sort of smacks the guy and uh, everything is peaceful again. Um, so I, I, I liked the way that Tom King played with a writing structure and how he uh, was able to bring that all back together. The layers start to peel back a little bit when when uh, Supergirl asks about the purples and she goes, oh, no pur- don't worry, no purples have stayed in that room. <laughs> uh, uh, Why would that be a problem for me? <laughs> Ruthie says, uh, quote, instead of answering, she bent down and I put my weight on her, unquote. Um, and I thought that was a nice um, way to show that Supergirl was... <laughs> literally and metaphorically carrying Ruthie's burdens. Supergirl is going after Krim because Krim shot her dog. That's true. But on a a larger point, she's trying to help this young girl who lost her father. And I just, when I, when I first read that, um, that bit about, uh, and I put my weight on her, I was just like, Oh, that is so good. Cause she's, she's literally carrying um, uh, Ruthie, but she's also metaphorically carrying her burdens for her. Like she's she's doing this because she wants to help help Ruthie, and and she's been helping all of these people throughout the issue. Um, and sh- she hears all of their stories, and the entire issue, <laughs> Supergirl has been carrying everyone's uh, weight for them. Supergirl's like that place looks pretty great, and she's like, no, that's Dinosaur Pond. We cannot <laughs> go there. It's where the monsters are. Although I wanted. To- kind of wanted them to go selfishly because <laughs> what was that place like was it like a resort but just from monsters like was there a monster sipping like a little mai tai and <laughs> with a little umbrella in it with a little beach read or something like reading like a spicy romance novel and they're like oh hey someone's here i'm totally on board comet's here comet to the rescue uh we're we're racing through the galaxy sure okay He's running on that rainbow like a uh, like Rainbow Bright's horse. Totally down. <laughs> totally down. 
Gonna I love be a- Rainbow Bright and Rainbow <laughs> Bright. I don't remember the horse's name, but I had Me that neither. horse. Oh my God. I have to be honest, like as a child, that's, I thought like that is the pinnacle of existence is if you had a horse <laughs> that could run on a rainbow, nothing could be better. And so Supergirl in a lot of ways got to like live out my, my bliss in this issue. I was like, Ruthie girl, I don't know. I don't know what she's going to do. I really don't. Uh, she was she was like, don't worry, Common. I would never lie to you. You're my best horse. And he's like, okay, <laughs> off to save the day. And then he disappears and she's like, well, I lied to a horse. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Krim of the Yellow Hills. Uh, they, they spare him at one point. Supergirl and Ruthie spare him. Uh, but he ends up dead at the end so uh morgan i'm curious what what did you think about how crim of the yellow hills uh was taken out in this series so that's so funny because i didn't think that he was dead in the end uh um, really oh so, yeah so well, yeah, well, interesting. I'm, okay. I'm interested in your uh your thoughts he tells ruthie that he's really 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 sorry about what he did and he's like honestly repentant and and then ruthie from what I can tell, just smacks him with her cane in the face and right. then they walk away. And uh, I don't think that they killed him, though, because I think you see her smack him in silhouette and then you see him go down. And then in the next in the next to last panel, he has his like hand on his head. OK, but what about the dialogue though it says uh in uh, what i only assume is still the ruthie uh narration it says instead she moved her sword swiftly through the air and stabbed down and through the chest of the kneeling brigand so from what i took about this is that ruthie's book that she wrote about her time with supergirl after her time with supergirl in that book she has Supergirl killing Krem, which uh, which takes all of the brigand, uh, like basically put all the heat on Supergirl with the brigand. Br- yeah, yeah, I can't say brigand. Br- brigand with, is a hard word. Yes, br- 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 brigands. Uh, and then they, <laughs> and then this way, you know, Ruthie didn't have to deal with them coming after her. They all went after Supergirl because they assumed Supergirl had killed Krem uh, when really they had just shoved him into the Phantom Zone. Having this discussion has really saved the series for me. So <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad to, I'm glad to, I'm glad to work through this. What happens if like this falls apart in two years and we never get our Supergirl woman of tomorrow? I was afraid yeah. that she was going to be like the last thing that they hit because a lot of the <laughs> articles that I was reading, it was like, oh, and also Supergirl woman of tomorrow. I was like, what do you mean? And also, <laughs> you know, the whole fifth dimension is so interesting. Have you ever heard Grant Morrison like explain how fifth dimension works? I'm going to sum it up because like I heard him explain it. It was so simple. He said, if you take a piece of paper and you draw a line, a straight line, and that's your okay. time, take your four fingers and put them on the line. That's the fifth dimension. You're interacting with that line at one point, but your fingers are touching four different points of time all at once. And that's how they oh. kind of work is they can interact with multiple things at once. They're just touching it, but to us, it's hitting different points in time. My name is Rebecca Johnson, and with my usual co-host Morgan Glennon, taking some time off to prepare for her wedding this week. McGurk! Hey, McGurk! Hey, has anyone seen McGurk around here? Uh, what is happening? Who are you? Why, I'm uh, Mr. Meekshith Pitalik. Uh, nice to meet you. I, I'm from the fifth dimension, and I came here to learn more about your whole podcasting thing in this universe. 
Okay, okay. What well, I I don't understand. What are you doing here? Are you trying to take over this live stream? I possibly is that, is that a good thing to do? Is this where you keep the pods? Oh, okay. Oh, look, okay. buttons. I love these buttons. I love pushing all these buttons. Oh, oh these are okay. So awesome. Okay. What What are you doing here? This guy uh, is handsome. Oh my gosh, Miksha Spitalik, what are you doing? You better not be messing with any of my other stuff. Are you? Oh, wait a second. I see. Oh, is this a doc over here? Hold on. Oh, oh this is going to be good. You better this not. This is going to be Meeksy. good. Oh, I'm, I'm typing. I love not typing. Mess with my Google Docs, Meeksy. I you love better typing. not. Do not erase anything. Oh, I I'm just going to. Too hard and research too much to be, have that being erased and gotten rid of. Oh. Hey, my co my cousin Miksha Miksha's Pitalik's name is in this doc a lot. I'm going to delete it and put it Miksha's Pitalik oh, instead. Okay. Okay. That is it. That is it, Meeksy. That is it. I cannot have you taking over this live stream and messing with my Google Docs. I don't so, see how you're going to stop me, young lady. Okay, here's here's the thing, Meeksy. If you're going to take over this live stream and you're going to make it your live stream, we need to make it look really professional. Because here on Supergirl Radio, we do live streams very professionally. We try to make everything look really, really good. So I, what well, I'm I can gonna, see that. Yeah, these lower thirds and you got the bug up there and everything. Yeah, that's nice. That's they nice. look good. Right, even from the yeah, mention, you can appreciate that. So here's here. This looks right. good even in audio. Oh, okay. So I'm gonna. All right, Meeksy. Here's the thing. Uh, we need to correct your lower third because I don't think it's quite right. We need to make sure it's really right before you can you continue I on was, and take over Supergirl Radio. I think that's my name, right? Meeksy Spitalik. Yep. Yep. No, yep. I, I think we need to fix it. So so uh, I'm gonna need okay. you to uh, type this key. Okay. All right. You got okay. that key. All right. This one. Okay. Uh, yeah, over okay. here, over here. Yep. Okay, on yep. to the left, yep. over to there, the right. We, you, we got that one. We got that one. I'll get this one over here. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, okay, okay. That is perfect. I think we've got it now. I think we have got your name spelled correctly in the lower third. Looks okay. Great. Let me just, let me just check it here. Uh, kill tip Z scheme. Oh my goodness! Ah! Oh, you guys. Oh, I am so relieved. We finally got rid. Of that pest, Meekshaz Pillick. I am so, he was messing with all of my stuff, all my overlays, my Google Docs. You do not screw with my Google Docs. So I am so glad that we got rid of Meekshaz Pillick, unexpected visitor for this episode of Supergirl Radio. So uh, I, 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 it's weird. I, I knew, so I expected someone to join me because I, I was hoping that my Bill, my friend Bill Meeks uh, would join me, but unexpectedly, uh, this fifth, uh, fifth dimensional imp showed up. Uh, oh, oh, oh you guys, Rebecca. Oh, oh, thank goodness. Thank I heard, I goodness. heard, I heard that there was someone in here by my computer. My motion alarm went off. What was that about? I'm so glad you showed up because there was this imp who came and he tried to take over it, everything. It, and he was what, such a was it, what Was it Meeksha's Pitalik? It was Meeksha's Pitalik. That little imp, he's he's always messing with me. He's, you know, he's coming onto my podcast when I'm not there. He's he's rewriting my books when I'm not looking. It, it's insane. I, I'm glad you got him to go away. You tricked him, right? Tricked yeah, him into yeah, saying his have, name backwards. You, you have you have to trick him to get him to go back to the fifth dimension. So uh um, oh, what a relief. He was such to, such a pest. He'll be there for at least 90 minutes now. Do, yes. Well, <laughs> the question is, what is happening? I don't know. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, what I think maybe is happening is that she's, do you think she's seeing the fighting with them? Oh my God. Like before she does it, is she, is she like having some sort of precognition of like, I'm going to have to punch this guy here and I'm gonna have to do this here. And then she does it. I think you're right. Okay. So my, 
first read on that panel was, why are there so many hands? That was the first. <laughs> then when I started to go deeper into the source material, I was like, <laughs> are her hands currently fighting? Um, mm. Are they currently waging a war? Yes. Um, and that's kind of where I ended up. But now if I go a layer deeper, I can see that like, yeah, she's probably closing her eyes, taking a quick little snooze uh, so that she can <laughs> see how everybody attacks her so that she can then use her dream powers to like fight them, which is a cool use of her powers. I, I actually really do like them. I wish it was. I wish this panel did the work of telling me that's what was happening uh, because I had. I didn't know. I was like, I guess she's fighting somebody in this panel, but we just can't see them and they're just hands. We know you as an actress, but now we're getting to know you um, in the comic book industry. So we wanted to get to know you as a writer. Um, what was your writing origin story and how did you first start writing? Writing is similar to acting um, for me in that I don't know how to do it. <laughs> you know, this was before we didn't know if we were doing a season seven or not but you know it was i was sort of of the, of the mindset i was like okay obviously this show isn't going to go on forever but this character is something that is very near and dear to my heart and very near and dear to a lot of people's hearts and i wanted to see her continue i think she deserved a legacy beyond just being a made for tv character so i scheduled a meeting with dc and i said hey i have this idea would, could we, could we talk about it? And so we sat down and went to the DC offices. Like it was like a crazy ask. I was like, can I have 24 issues? You know, like a two volume. So she can go like just straight to her own ongoing, right? So they were like, cool, love that. Let's put a pin in that. My name is Rebecca Johnson. And for this episode of the podcast, I am joined by a very special guest, uh, comic book writer, Morgan Glennon. So welcome to Supergirl <laughs> Radio, Morgan. Thank you for being with me. Thank you. And I have to say, I'm a longtime fan of the podcast. <laughs> I, I think what you guys do here, you and your co-host, who I hear is talented and beautiful. Uh, <laughs> just great stuff, guys. I gotta say, I liked the new costume. I thought it was fancy. Uh, <laughs> she's, you, you know what? You know what? To me, it felt like she had taken a, a page out of the book of Lena Luther. She was like, mm, listen, oh, yeah. what, what I need what my pa what was is going to give me the most power is getting those clavicles out so <laughs> so so the uh the top of it like you know shows quite a bit of like a little bit of shoulder a little bit of clavicle uh and then she's got some gloves so it seems like maybe she's getting ready for a fancy night out at the opera Mm. And then uh, and then she's got like a nice big full skirt and like just like a nice little belt. And I was like, you know what? I like this. I like this more formal, super, super woman costume. Now, underneath the skirt, which kind of like has a slit in the middle to kind of open it up. And then she's got some like leggings on underneath of that. Uh, but yeah, no, I thought it was a, I thought it was a fun new costume. I was like, oh, this seems like a like a little bit of a more formal superwoman. She's like, I'm just hanging out on the moon, uh, doing moon type things. And <laughs> I feel like I need a better, I need a different outfit for that. I need like more of a, a moon outfit. And I feel like she decided to level up. She's like, here, I am going to be the only superhero and I'm not going to have to comp compete with anybody else. Superman. And so, <laughs> and so I'm really going to just get to do me. And like, 
I think that the outfit says, like, I decided to be a fancier kind of hero here. Lenari figures out a way out of um, out of their problem with their family by basically giving up and destroying the Starfell crystal. And um, basically... The star, Starfall jewel. The Starfall jewel. <laughs> oh, that's tough for me to say for some It reason. is hard to say. And so when Lenari gives up the uh, crystal? The jewel. Jewel. We get a lot of backstory on uh, Lenari and their family and how Lenari's father died to give Lenari the, this crystal, this Dude, jewel. Jewel! I cannot remember it being a jewel. <laughs> <laughs> it's not possible. Mara in the chat asks, does he wear little dog glasses? And I'm trying to remember if I have... Uh, actually, Mara, he does in some instances where he will have glasses. There's like really a tragic backstory, I think, behind <laughs> all of these cats. None of these cats are okay, let's be honest. Like, <laughs> Atomic Tom is radioactive. Power Puss is... I should not be making that kind of thing. And <laughs> honestly, the most unhinged one is definitely Crab Tabby, who's, <laughs> who's gone off the deep end. Once you marry a crab and a cat together, I don't, I don't know how you come back from that. Brainy Cat <laughs> looks goth. Brainy Cat's like, I'm just like not into that. Like, I'm <laughs> or like things that are popular <laughs> brainy cat is like the one like you are talking to brainy cat and you're like i'm really into this thing and brainy cat's like oh i was too five years ago <laughs> brainy cat's got kind of a, like a hot topic vibe here <laughs> he's, like a, he's a green cat he's got the like the little things uh the brainiac things on his head and then on his tail too he's got like a t-shirt it's black obviously like his heart and uh and he's got a little, a little skull on there because it's like Skulls are like really edgy you know, <laughs> and like they were cooler before they became like more mainstream. But <laughs> like, why should he stop wearing them? You stop wearing them. Hot so they go to see Lulu and they talk her into um, working with them. Uh, they say that they will turn her into a prison therapy pet. They'll fill out all the paperwork. <laughs> She's like, oh, I don't want to have to do that paperwork. They're like, sure, we got it. Well, you will be a prison therapy pet. And then you'll get to uh, you'll get to see Lex again, which even though she was uh, horribly mistreated by Lex in the movie, she yeah. immediately goes into like a fantasy sequence where he begs for her <laughs> forgiveness. Lulu girl, Lulu girl, he's just not that into you. The brain globes of Rambat, an alien race of brains in a globe. Just <laughs> brain globes. Sorry, I'm, I'm just I'm following along with the story as well. <laughs> so I just need to take I just need to take pauses to take it all in. Um, <laughs> the brain globes need to steal Earth for their survival and consider Superboy to be the only one who could oppose them. The brain globes of Rambat used to have bodies, but upon acquiring the power to work mental miracles, they discarded their clumsy bodies and assumed a more infinitely efficient brain globe form. They're like, you know what? <laughs> we honestly, you you guys judge us, but we've never looked or felt better. <laughs> you ever have lower back pain? Because guess who doesn't? This brain. <laughs> You can find my cats on Instagram at the lab cats. If, that, <laughs> if you're a subscriber and that buns in content, you're like, I need more of that. I need more. 
people love the lab cats. You're downplaying that, but the lab cats are very popular. <laughs> They're very popular uh, out there in the digital world. Less popular here in my condo because yesterday <laughs> um, Beaker pulled off a plant and it, then it tumbled and fell onto the ground and there was dirt everywhere. No. So I, I was like, no, you pulled the plant. And I like tried to put the plant back in. I was like, you're okay. It it was, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if the plant's okay. <laughs> but so then I'm, I'm like vacuuming up all the dirt and I look over at Beaker and I like touch him and I was like, oh no, there was dirt all over Beaker. Oh he no. I pulled it on top of himself. So then I, I, so then I was like, okay, I'll just, I'll just pick him up and I'll put him in the shower. No, so you I, can't do that. <laughs> I, threw him, the water. I threw him in the shower and I went to go like turn on the the thing and he was like nah and he, <laughs> he ran so then I had to just like get like a wash rag and wet it and then just like put it down his back which he also didn't enjoy but he allowed to happen <laughs> can you see in the background can you see this I see I see Baker what is you he doing? Beaker? I don't know. I, I'm concerned because did you see how he looked over his shoulder at me? Like he's <laughs> planning something. I don't like the way. What do you want? What are you up to? Oh God! Now he's come. Now I've called him. <laughs> now I've called him forth. <laughs> he is hatching a plan. I can oh, see boy. it. Oh boy! I'm scared. <laughs> I wonder if Beaker has any thoughts. He's Does mad. He he's so mad. I've never seen him this mad. Look at him. Look at him. He's he's pacing now. He's pacing over the. <laughs> He's so stressed out. So stressed. He's like, what am I going to do? This is my, my, my Tuesdays at nine was just walking back and forth in front of your camera. Is, he's gotten used to a certain level of celebrity. And I, I don't want to say he's a diva, but he's become quite a monster. Yeah, he's, he's getting there. <laughs> really didn't fulfill on the knots. That's Come disappointing. On, I mean, really, you, you didn't, you didn't have a lot of jobs. <laughs> it's a really early for a beaker appearance in the episode. It's, just, it's he, too he, early. He, he, he usually waits until maybe at least feedback. I mean, he does. He usually waits till midway. <laughs> <laughs> giving the people what they want real early on this time. <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> okay, well, I guess Beaker is here because we got some <laughs> news about <laughs> Ozzy Tesfai as Guardian. Like what they're doing is they're just hitting the same point over and over. Right, Beaker? <laughs> what did you think about it? <laughs> but what they should be doing. I just is- wish Beaker would just like sit down and stare at the camera oh. and just like sit with you. Like, if he could just pose, that would be great. Just stay there. Literally just took the headphones off of, no, you've got to let them go now. (laughs) (laughs) This is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm dealing with. Poor David Harewood. He's got, like, the boot and everything. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, Beaker. Beaker, why? Beaker, no. He waits. He waits until the stream starts, and then he's like, my time. It's my my audience. (laughs) Beaker has decided it's it's also time for him. It's time for his theories about Supergirl. He says, I want to, I have theories about who Lena's mom could be. No one wants to listen to my theories. (laughs) No one wants to watch my TikToks, right, Beaker? (gasps) The Lab Cats should definitely be on TikTok. Do you want to be on TikTok, Beaker? (laughs) You're young, you're young enough to know how it works. (laughs) He's he's already got a flair for the camera. I think he definitely does as he (laughs) knocks my laptop, (laughs) decides to climb over top of oh god. 
Beaker now. <laughs> Beaker, that's the that's the ring light. Beaker, don't rub yourself against the ring light. <laughs> so, oh, for our first, uh, of course, of course, this is the moment that my cat wants to come visit. <laughs> he likes to come at least once per live airing of this show, just to make his presence known. It's sure always Beaker. It's always his, never... his audience is, is standing by. <laughs> I'm a star. I need to be on camera. Exactly. Is... He's like, how dare you try to take this from me? He always then stops directly in front of the camera, usually with his butt. And then I just have to do this. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to go after him. If nobody on the planet knows what a, a ship is. Oh, there's your, uh, yeah. There's your yeah. beaker sighting for the I evening. guess it's the beaker sighting of the, do you want to say hi? Or are you just, are you just going for a drive by buddy? What's up? What's oh right to the right camera? Here. Right to the camera, bud. All right. Are you are you ready to leave now or you just want to be involved? I'm I'm glad that they did get to finally <laughs> um uh Beaker made uh, another appearance. I, I don't yeah. know that y'all saw Beaker earlier. Oh, it was Bunsen it was Bunsen earlier, it was which Bunsen is a rare earlier. Oh. And, uh Beaker is usually Jesus, the the <laughs> ham of the two. <laughs> but Bunsen just like kind of like walked by and he was just like, what's this going on here? And then like left. And I, I, I basically I was like, stop, we're talking to Claude. <laughs> That's probably oh, for the okay. best. Oh, oh be well, I thought he is, was done. He's but back. He's not. He's not. Done. Come here, buddy. Come here, buddy. You wanna? You wanna look at every all the people? No. <laughs> He's like, no, I don't want that. I just want my butt to be in frame for the entire time. Now he's like, what if I just rubbed myself against the lap? Okay. <laughs> Bye again, friend. Eager. Really? You're just gonna stand right off camera? <laughs> just you're just gonna be the most yeah. right now? Is that yeah. what's happening? That one time he doesn't want to be on camera. He was like, no, not my face, please, just my butt. Beaker <laughs> <laughs> is so excited. He loves flat supergirl. He loves the concept. He loves showing his butt to all of the listeners. Uh, and then goodbye. Goodbye. That was his that was his appearance. For the episode, and he's gone now. If you, you know, couldn't. Oh, 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 oh we have a, we have a, a guest star, and it's, and it's Beaker. And Beaker, I want to ask you, what did you think about the? No, Beaker, you gotta, you gotta look at the camera. What did you think about the giant cat? Was it mean or was it nice that they, that they did the laser? Well, Beaker doesn't want to really weigh in on this right now. It was actually, it was very traumatic for Beaker, and he doesn't want to talk about it. He's like, I, I saw it, I can't talk about it. Oh. Oh, Beaker, oh, what Beaker. did you think about the email? Yeah, can huh? we get oh, can we get Beaker's topical opinions? Be- Beaker's like, I th- I think climate change is bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, I want more fish, more minnows in the ocean. I want to oh, knock oh, things no. over. Beaker, well, why did you do that? You know that was a picture. Oh, no. and you just knocked it over. Oh no! What if what if Beaker? What if we got down? What if we left? <laughs> God, he's oh, so I annoying. Hope, I hope that didn't scare him. It, he, like it did. Sort of he, it did scare him. He, but he purposely knocked over the photo on my desk. <laughs> so that felt like it was on him. Nixley wrecked havoc with a giant magic kitten. Had she chosen from Morgan's cat, Beaker, or Bunsen, which would have created the most chaos and destruction? P.S. I love Beaker and Bunsen. Bunsen burner, and that's like fire. So I feel like it would have fire powers. 
And then also, why does Biko keep coming up and not Bunsen? Do you think Bunsen's behind it, the master manipulator? <gasps> oh. It's definitely Beaker. And that's because <laughs> Beaker is just an agent of chaos. Beaker <laughs> knows no laws. He, he, uh, he respects no authority. He fears no one and nothing. Uh, <laughs> you want to tell him about the tea public store? Uh-oh. Do we? <laughs> Beaker is underfoot, uh, and he has just uh, occasionally just been jumping up to attack me and then go back down. It's a very <laughs> stressful situation that I'm in here. <laughs> he, he didn't want to be on camera this week. He doesn't want to be on camera. He does want. He apparently also doesn't want me to be on camera. So <laughs> that's very complicated for him. He's feeling a lot of things. We got a lot of uh, cool things in oh boy, the here store. We go. And oh, we have a Beaker sighting. Oh, straight in my face. Straight in my face. <laughs> Beaker. Beaker, I haven't buddy. seen Beaker in a while. If you're gonna, if you're gonna be up here, could you at least look at the camera? No, <laughs> no, he, he's he like, no. Do this. Look at my butt or nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about Mister Bone showing up? <laughs> Did you like him? He's like, yes, big fan, big fan. Got to go work out my feelings about it. Beaker, he's, he's t- back there Tell somewhere. us how you feel, buddy. Don't jump up there, though. Seriously. Don't. Don't. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're looking at. I don't want you to do it. I can't pinpoint what exactly that says in terms of comparison to Andy, but uh, I thought that was really interesting that they were sort of uh, following that same same uh, path. Did you see how he stalked his way up here, too? Yeah. Hi, Beaker. Hey, buddy. What's up? No? You just going to sit? Okay. I swear to God, if you knock it over, <laughs> is that the ring light? You knock over that ring light, buddy. Hey, Beaks. <laughs> you can only see the light. He's just staring into the light. <laughs> that's not even good for your eyes, Yeah, pal. that's probably not good for the eyes. He's just staring. So my ring light has a mirror in the middle of it. Oh, He's so he can see himself. staring at himself in the mirror. He's so, he's so vain. <laughs> I bet he thinks this live stream is about him. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Say hi, Beaker. <laughs> Beaker has some hot takes to share. Streaky is known in the Super Pets universe, I think, as being a little bit of a napper. I uh, think I think my cats might have gotten some red kryptonite because I was hoping that for the Super Pets that they would come and make an appearance. But I think it's unlikely as as Beaker. And we'll see if I can if I can show this. Beaker is uh, asleep. He's Aww. not. He's. I don't think he's getting up to make Girl his up. appearance. Hey, bud. Nope. Nothing. Nope. That's no. It. No. He's, he's, he's tired. Out. So yeah. <laughs> he got that. That red kryptonite really takes it out of him. Is all I'm saying. You know, she's usually helping people even if they don't deserve it. Nope. <laughs> no. Not now. Uh, <laughs> they kind of touched on and and made me really feel for the characters in that in that area. Here comes Beaker. He's tired of playing with the Tupperware. He's tired of it. <laughs> so now, now he must have his fame and his fortune. <laughs> right, Beaker? Right, bud? Do you want to get down? This is his new thing. This is, he likes to do this while I'm on meetings at work, too. Don't you? No, no, no. Not the, not the cord. Okay. Well, now you've <laughs> lost the ability. You've lost the ability. And the cords are not a toy. No. He re- oh, no. No. <laughs> oh, no. Let them go. Let them go. <laughs> How Mark described it, like, as, are you serious? Now, the, the tail was right across the camera. Just, <laughs> it's going great tonight. There's a box 
uh, that uh, some takeout oh. came, came on. I, I left it mistakenly on the table yesterday. <laughs> and since then, they've spent the entire day uh, lounging and or sleeping in that box mm. to the point where I'm like, do I now have a, a new permanent box fixture on my <laughs> dining room table? They I like know. it too much. TBD. I, I don't have the heart <laughs> to take it away from them quite yet uh <laughs> when we started this recording bunsen was sleeping in it oh. and now and now it's beaker who's just kind of chilling in the box huh. i don't i don't like the way he's looking around yeah to be honest i don't like that at all not <laughs> especially not from him oh it's uh, making me nervous that he keeps looking up at the live yeah picture. i don't i don't know what he's <laughs> he, he, oh oh, oh that's he's getting yawn. tired though he's getting tired maybe he's <laughs> Maybe he's gonna settle down. I like that the one, like the one ray of light, is like on top of him. Like he's it's like just a like a halo. Being. <laughs> oh. uh, Morgan did get married. Uh, that did happen. It was successful. Oh. Uh, Morgan and Mike did get married, and uh, so uh, uh, that was really fun. I got to go up to Philadelphia to see them, and I don't want to talk too much about the wedding because I'll let Morgan do that if she wants to when she gets back. Uh, but it was really fun. We actually uh, had all of them the Morgan Glennon podcast uh, universe represented uh, Amy Hypnorowski uh, from the uh, legends of tomorrow podcast actually took this picture. It was pretty funny. She, she had the idea for a big selfie, like right at the end of our time on the dance floor. So uh, it was a pretty, pretty awesome selfie that took place. Everybody had a really good time. So Cat uh, and Amy were there from legends of tomorrow podcast. And Sarah was there from DC TV after dark. Uh, so it was really fun to see all, uh, see all the podcasting people from the, the Morgan Glennon uh, podcast universe. So, uh, it was really fun uh, to be there. Uh, also, some Supergirl Radio uh, s- sort of references at the wedding, which surprised me. I oh. didn't know. Uh, there was uh, uh, some special signature drinks that were available during oh. the cocktail hour. Uh, you could Bunsen. You could get the Beaker, which was a jalapeno lemonade cocktail, or you could get uh, uh, the Bunsen, a uh, grapefruit and p- uh, pink uh, peppercorn gin and tonic. I tried the Beaker. Uh, which I thought was pretty good. I'm not really an alcohol person. Uh, I just don't usually like it, but uh, I tried the beaker. It was, it was pretty good. I didn't get to go, uh, try the Bunsen though. I was going to go back and get the Bunsen, but they had, they told me the bartender uh, said he ran out of ingredients. So I guess the Bunsen was popular. I wanted to know so much more about the um, like the world of this plan. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> Bunsen show. Now, um, now Bunsen, Bunsen is jealous that Beaker got his time in the spotlight. <laughs> and now Bunsen. Oh no. Are you shy? You're shy now. <laughs> this is a rare Bunsen sighting. It's a, it's a rare Bunsen sighting. Alex isn't just a great mother right away and uh, is kind of learning how to, Oh no. Oh wow. Bunsen. 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 Bunsen my God. He's a Bunsen is back. He, hey, he came home today oh, and good he's for him. decided he to better? visit. He's feeling a lot better. Good. Uh, it would be great if he didn't maybe uh, tip anything over up here. We'll Uh-oh. see. That'll <laughs> be his challenge for tonight. <laughs> you could have trapped Nixley using that connection and they never even attempted it. <laughs> I, I hear Bunsen talking. <laughs> I, I, I hear him too. He's got a lot to listen. He's, 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 he's coming so hot feelings. about this episode. <laughs> Bunsen. He's uh, no more to say, though. He's done. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I kind of waited to see if he would say something else. <laughs> he's not going on, on on our schedule or, or looking at the camera in any way, <laughs> in a traditional way. I keep trying to to get him on camera. He doesn't really want it though, but he'll he'll look. 
And of course, he knocked over my ring light. So we're just going to switch over to Rebecca for just a quick second. Are we having a, a feline friend? Oh, yeah, yeah. Bunsen's head oh. was fully in the garbage. So oh. <laughs> like just just rooting around in there, a little pause, seeing if he could find something good for himself. A little, little late night snack for Bunsen. <laughs> Bunsen, hey. Hey, what's up, bud? Maybe, maybe you're done with what you're trying to do. Not the light. Not like, I saw you. I swear to God, Bunsen. I swear to God. No. Did you see that? Oh, my oh, God. He's, he's still trying. Do you need he's, me to? No, it's, fi- it's fine. You, you know what? There's nothing he can get in there. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> hey, Bunsen. Uh, <laughs> he's behind me. He's definitely going to knock over my ring light in a couple of minutes. So he, just loves, it. he loves the light. He loves the light. It's what he, he, he wants the spotlight, but not to be in it just to get its warmth. <laughs> <laughs> He's sleepy. He doesn't want this, but, but I thought like, may, what if, what if streaky looked like this little guy, huh? Maybe, you, maybe Bunsen could be like a, like a muse. Right, bud? <laughs> glass. She has to beat up it. <laughs> oh God. Bunsen the, agrees. Are the lab cats uh, chiming in he, with their thoughts? He he is. He had a lot of he has a lot of feelings. Sometimes at, uh, at night mm. he will walk around with his toy in his mouth, like meowing and kind of crying plaintively. I found out that that's because like sometimes they'll just drop the the toy off to you. It's like um, they don't trust me to like hunt, and oh, he's yeah. afraid I I might starve. So he's like oh. basically bringing me. <laughs> He's providing for you. He's providing for me, which is it's <laughs> nice really of him. sweet. He, yeah. he does get a little loud, though, sometimes when he's telling me, you know, he's giving me the business about yeah. why can't I provide for myself, you know? Are <laughs> uh, are the lab cats, do they, would they like to chime in on this? Punson has strong feelings about this. <laughs> Don't you, buddy? Yes. Oh wow. Do you, oh, you do you tra- think Bunsen would mm. jump in the time traveling? Oh, Bunsen would would not t- jump in the time traveling. <laughs> Bunsen is a Bunsen's pretty cautious. That would be a beaker thing. He would yeah. probably <laughs> he would he would then have to jump in after beaker. He'd be like, oh no, uh, and maybe try to rescue him. But I don't think Bunsen on his own. Hi, buddy. Yes, it's very nice. <laughs> Uh, I don't think Bunsen on his own would jump into the pond. I think Bunsen has a little bit more. Yeah. Cat's notoriously not big fans of water. No, not big fans of water. (laughs) Although he does like to sit in the sink sometimes. So (laughs) Bunsen, do do, do you want to weigh in here, buddy? And it seems like you have a lot of opinions about the ring light and its placement. Uh Uh, He's he's back again. (laughs) He's just just knocking over the ring light, rubbing his head. Rubbing his head aggressively into the ring light. He, he's like, I've got to find my light. You don't understand. He's like, you don't know what it's like to be this beautiful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, Haven Secret had its book birthday. Do we have a, a, a feline visitor? Oh, hold on one second. I'm just going to need to make sure that every Okay, everybody's fine. Everybody's oh, fine. They're, they're were fighting. They, were they they're fussing? Fighting, I, heard, I heard some commotion. It sounded like they were dying, and I thought I was going to have to save them. But it turns out they're just arguing. They're just having a little <laughs> argument. <laughs> one of them was like, I love that Lex is back. And the other one was like, not me. And then it got, it got heated. Lex got what he deserved. They spent a good amount of time on the – oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Bunsen, is everything okay? <laughs> He's so loud right now. He's, like, just screaming into the void. <laughs> 
Okay, he looks fine. I think he's just screaming. He's just okay. screaming. He okay. had a lot of feelings about it as well. He was screaming about them. What's <laughs> Baker doing? Is he just sitting? He was, he was just he was just staring at me, and so I thought that I would just adjust the camera so that he could have his. Well, you have to look up to have your moment, bud. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he just wanted his presence to be known, his opinion to be valued, and then he's going to go back to his business. He's, he's like, please, please, no more publicity. <laughs> <laughs> but like that horror would be crazy. Oh my god, these cats. They're fighting. They're, they wanted, the they cats, want to chime in about the issue. The cats are fighting over legitimately what appears to be a like a drink carrier like that you would put coffee in. Oh, okay. Like one of those one of those cardboard drink Oh yeah, cans. yeah. They both want it. Uh, neither can have it. It's kind of like a Highlander situation <laughs> where there could only be one. Um Okay. <laughs> Everything okay. I keep hearing I'm little sure sounds. It's fine. I'm sure it's <laughs> fine. He spent the entire time we've been on this podcast, both of them, uh, pushing a couple of Tupperwares across the kitchen floor. Um, when they got tired of the first Tupperware, it was a big Tupperware too. It's like this big and Bunsen <laughs> had it in his mouth at a couple points. I was just like, what is happening? And then they found another second Tupperware. <laughs> Uh, on top of which I had on top of the, the microwave mm. that wasn't acceptable. They got up on top of the top <laughs> microwave. They batted it off onto the counter, batted it off onto the floor. And then they were like fighting over who got to play with it first. Hmm. There's a lot of things happening <laughs> in the kitchen. Do you think they'll take it back up on top of the microwave and like I don't bat it think down they're again? gonna re- I don't think they're gonna return it. The thing with them, <laughs> the thing with these cats is that like they make the messes, but do they ever clean them up? No, <laughs> they're they not don't. gonna return their toys. <laughs> they're not like, no, I'm done with it now. I'll put it away. <laughs> Deadline.com reported that the release date for the Flash movie, which will feature Sasha Kajay as Supergirl, has been moved from November 4th to June 23rd, 20. 2023. Personally, I don't think the Flash movie is ever going to see the light of day. I don't know that we're ever going to get to see that film. It's been delayed and delayed and delayed. I'm not going to believe that it's actually going to actually be in the theaters until I'm like eating popcorn in my seat. (laughs) And even then, I'm going to be like, what if it doesn't come on? What if if you're (laughs) eating popcorn in your seat and they're like, we're sorry to tell you that we've heard just now this movie has been delayed. (laughs) Kyler Lee is set to star in The Way Home, a new original primetime series for Hallmark Channel. It's beginning production uh, slated to premiere in 2023. We'll probably see that before we see the Flash movie is what I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, I think we'll probably see like a lot of things like the end, the, like the end of civilization before the flash movie. Yeah. Oh, Oh. okay. Oh, what was that beaker? This movie is going to revolutionize film as we know it. (laughs) Oh my God. James Gunn said that too. (laughs) It's the greatest movie of all time. Citizen Kane move over. The upcoming superhero movie, The Flash, has been done and locked for several months now as it awaits its June 16th release. It has many fans inside the studio. Now it has a fan outside of the studio walls, actor, superstar, and cinema saver, Tom Cruise. Sources tell The Hollywood Reporter that Cruise has seen the movie and loved it so much that he cold called the movie's director, Andy Muschietti, to rave about it. You know, everybody loved that Top Gun Maverick movie. Everybody loved that. You know who was in it? Tom Cruise. You know who loves the Flash movie now? Tom Tom Cruise. Cruise. 
a girl is a superhero. Get out of here. I like the, the backstory of James being there to kind of look out for her and sort of break out on his own, uh, break out a Superman shadow and then directly into Supergirls. Um, that was- <laughs> <laughs> so there's a scene where Cat uh, has something that looks like a Cat Co article in like a sort of like a, a sleeve of some kind. And she hands it to Kara and she says something about uh, that Kara needs to get it prepped for a noon posting. And I had questions about uh, that. I, wait, I'm sorry. A posting to what? Uh, this this is my question. Yeah, they understand <laughs> that you don't just post magazines. Like, <laughs> Kara's not just opening up a window in the Catco Tower and just tossing out a sheet of... <laughs> wait, what if, what if we thought this whole time? That they were doing some sort of media conglomerate, but what they were really doing was like a real throwback to old-fashioned broadsheets, which they would then just toss out the windows <laughs> about, at, around about noon when they had new things to cry on the corner. <laughs> what, what, if they, what if? What if? And we can and we can pull this back to the news gal, newsboy legion, because what if they just have like a bunch of news uh, newsies around around the city? Standing on street corners, like crying the news. Extra, extra, Supergirl, not all that super. Catco <laughs> being a town crier is so much better, <laughs> right? Because I really think we need to bring town criers back. That's my oh, I wish, I wish. <laughs> Just walking about your day. Oh, the news. Uh, <laughs> when uh, Kara and uh, and and Kat Grant are talking about it. And she's like, maybe Supergirl said that by accident. Like, <laughs> Kara cannot be any more transparent than she is Supergirl in this show. It's insane. Kara just walks in. She's like, this article you wrote about Supergirl is trash. <laughs> that is not what Supergirl meant when she said that thing to you in your very private conversation. <laughs> How do you even know Supergirl is a millennial? And she's like, <laughs> Kat Grant's like, you're a millennial. She's like, I don't know how that those two things go together. But isn't that a little harsh? I'm not Supergirl. Of course. Of course I'm not. I look sure. like her. But I'm not her. Definitely. But if I was her and I was speaking to you, hypothetically, what I said, what she said, sorry, what she said. <laughs> <laughs> didn't mean <laughs> it's like so uh, she's so again she's so obvious i thought brent morgan did a really good job she uh she made those two different aspects of leslie willis very different like you were saying the, the leslie willis who was the shock jock in the radio uh studio who was bad mouthing supergirl <laughs> for some reason she really did not like supergirl uh she was a very di- different character than the livewire character they they still both hated supergirl but she was able to in her performance make them very different and make them distinct and i, I thought that was a really strong uh portrayal for uh for livewire yeah, one of my favorite parts is when she's in the helicopter and it's like starts to go down and Supergirl like goes up to save her. <laughs> she comes in the doorway of the super of the helicopter and like Leslie's like, "Oh, you." <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did you have a better offer? And I guess even Maxwell Lord uh can't seem to have it all because he's trying to make this super fast <laughs> train and um one of his employees blows it up. 
And then, and then, spoiler alert, he's like, it was, it was an evil plan that I had, but also, I didn't want it to mess up my actual train. <laughs> he's like, I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, Supergirl, that I was trying to test you by using the lives of innocent people, but also <laughs> that I love trains. Cat's <laughs> like, okay, well, you need to get to the anger behind the anger. And she's like, no, I was, I was mad at you. Cat's like, no, no. It, no, Kira, you weren't mad at me. And she's like, <laughs> I literally was mad at you. Like, you were you were not being cool. And she's like, I don't, that doesn't make sense. But it's something deeper than that. <laughs> Who gives the best hope speeches, Supergirl or Cat Grant? I'm going to be controversial. I'm going to pick Cat Grant. That is very controversial. Um, <laughs> I cannot believe it. I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Supergirl. Oh uh, oh oh! Does that make you the better Supergirl? <laughs> I, I think it does. <laughs> if you uh, had your emails hacked, would you want them published in the Daily Planet or would you want them published in Catco? I want okay. I want it to be Catco radio because i'm a podcaster so this yeah. is what we do and i want it to be like a dramatic reading i need somebody with like some heft to them uh to like may we'll get david harewood he's got like a great oh, great yeah. voice it's like a british a british david oh, harewood yeah. don't uh, try the american no, accent david no. these are good emails and i want <laughs> i want him to read them like classically trained Shakespearean style <laughs> inflections everywhere, dramatic pauses. We do find out that Zorel and Allura did have a little bit of a backup plan, which <laughs> resulted in Argo City. She was like, Listen, this place is probably kaput. <laughs> this place is probably over, but my new place is gonna <laughs> be awesome. We're working on the gazebos, they're not. <laughs> They're not, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to shoot straight. They're not where they need to be. But otherwise, it's pretty great. We're all going to wear loungewear, no hard pants. I just made that a rule. And everybody's really excited about it. I was curious, Morgan, what your thoughts were on Cameron Chase. She was like so excited to shoot people who were like not, who were just like standing in one place. Yes. Um, they shot. And might and would have killed uh, Wynn's dad if he just wasn't just straight up murdered him. Just straight up murdered him. They were like, "Put your hands up," and he like didn't put his hands up because again, a hologram. And they were like, "All right, pump him with lead." And I was like, "Whoa!" It feels like uh, Agent Anya is actually not very good at her job. <laughs> she finishes a letter that Cat didn't finish, and then she sends it to the Sun. The Sun comes to National City, and then Kara ends up being asked out by the sun to go on a date if this ever happens to you in your professional life and i'm sure it happens all the time to all of us <laughs> who among us right you're gonna want to say no thank you uh, <laughs> no dinner sounds great you're great no thank you you gotta commit to marrying that guy now how much do, you gotta you gotta wait how how cute is he is he cute how much do you like your job like is the job up here and the cuteness kind of here? Okay. Well, if you if you go to dinner with him, you now you have to marry him now. Are you comfortable with that? Are you comfortable with that? You got to quit your job. You got to marry him. Those are your two options that you have. Don't do it. Just don't do it. William is always going to make you bait goods. So that seems great. Um, he likes journalism just like her. Yeah. Super into that. Uh, and he's a great babysitter. I think that's well, also that, well, that's a little questionable. All right, you're right. He is a medium. He babysitter. did he did die at the end of that babysitting gig. 
<laughs> he did get <laughs> murdered when he babysat. Listen, babysitting is a dangerous occupation. <laughs> Everyone knows that. And just, sure, you get murdered one time while babysitting. <laughs> and it's all, don't leave the kids with him. They get kidnapped. Listen. <laughs> I think Alex being in the Phantom Zone would have been pretty cool. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go that. that that's what I'm gonna do too. It, it does seem like a worse, in some ways, a worse fate. Although again, maybe she would have really just dominated the Phantom Zone. <laughs> she would have been able to be a director there. Oh my god. She, <laughs> she finally would have gotten to be a director. <laughs> what if by herself what if car gets to the phantom zone and she's like i'm the assistant director of the phantom zone <laughs> assistant to the director <laughs> and then one, one of the dementors is like <clears throat> and just coughs and she goes assistant to the director of the phantom zone <laughs> she can't she can't even be the director of the phantom zone <laughs> oh, it was like he was bringing the heat i thought that that was like a really great line where he was like i'm gonna mourn i'm gonna cry and then i'm coming and i'm gonna kill you but also thank you for coming to the funeral very <laughs> lovely the lunch is at the little italian place around the corner we'll see you there we did get you meatball parm i hope that's okay again i'm gonna murder you straight up murder you <laughs> What did you think about going to the fortress? I don't think I would care for it. It's cold. There's no comfy place to sit. Everything is sharp. Everything so is so pointy. Sharp. <laughs> you don't want to sit in there. <laughs> don't sit on anything there. <laughs> the first day that she's like Red K Kara and she goes to work and she's just like wearing a completely work appropriate like outfit. <laughs> But it's just like not a little skirt and sweater. And everybody's like, who's that lady? <laughs> Morgan, could you hear me? I think I was frozen. Oh, I think you froze. Watch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But do I do I look like I'm back? You are definitely back. Yeah. And also, I think my uh, smoke detector is chirping. So uh, my apologies. <laughs> it decided to start chirping at this very moment. It could of not course. wait. It could not wait until after podcasting. All right. Can you hear the chirp? Yeah, it's so loud. Oh, <laughs> that's so annoying. Why did it wait until I had to live stream? To I it's swear so I wasn't doing it earlier today. I think it's been getting louder, too, because, like, at some <laughs> point, I was like, is is her is the battery in her smoke detector dying? I hear like a little like a light chirp and it before it was kind of like I'm dying. I'm psst, I'm dying. And now it's like <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> Melissa welcomed her to the DC universe saying, quote, cannot wait to see you as Supergirl. The world needs as many Supergirls as it can get, unquote. And then uh, Sasha actually responded back to Melissa saying, quote, uh, this means so much. My little brother and I have watched every episode. This was a sweet moment for us. Thank you. Red Heart, unquote. I like the uh, like the Supergirl mutual love society that, <laughs> that sprung up after the announcement where everyone, she was like, I love you. No, I love you. And I was like, is there is there a more Supergirl way to, to react to that news than to be like, no, she's great. No, she's great. Stop. <laughs> I'm so confused with time. If the kids are 14 now and Kara is her age now, whatever her age may happen to be, then that means that that wedding happened like 14 plus years ago. Would Kara have been like a teenager? Clark and Lois got engaged in the Elseworlds crossover. See, this is what <laughs> this is what happens with Crisis, right? So like yeah, Kara should have been at the wedding if the wedding was like a year ago. But if the wedding was like 
15 years ago, then I mean, probably she still still should have been there. I, but I would have been I like think, what, 13 or something like, yeah, she can go. She could be a flower girl. Why wouldn't you make your cousin a flower girl? <laughs> OK, I'm mad. I'm mad about the wedding. It's OK, <laughs> it's okay I'm mad about it. I wouldn't mind like a uh, Ramakan who emerges from the bottle city having taken stock of his life and like <laughs> re- like changed his priorities. He comes out. And he's like, no, nah, man. I'm all about that wine wine life now. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna start a winery, and then like at some point in the season, they have to go to the winery for some reason. They're like, "Oh no, we have to go to this winery," and it turns out they don't know it's Ramakan's winery. And he's like, "My friends, my old friends," <laughs> and he's like giving them hugs, and they're like, "We would really rather not touch you. You tried to bury us alive." And he's like, "That was in the past, man. The grapes don't remember." Like I. <laughs> I want like a mellowed out uh, wino <laughs> ramacon. <laughs> I, I want a shirt that says the grapes don't remember. <laughs> so we have an email from Mary who writes, Supergirl's latest episodes have got me feeling down on the series as a whole. But instead of feeling bummed, I'm inventing new National City restaurant names. If you could come up with a restaurant in National City, what would you name it? Would you or Kara visit it. Mark's not my favorite one. The fondue of solitude. <laughs> that is perfect. It's just a fondue restaurant, but like <laughs> it looks like the fortress and, and then it's you're really cold and you're eating hot fondue. <laughs> I love it. It's good. I would go it's in like there. There's like ice bars, but then you're like, you're cold, but here, some warm cheese. <laughs> Julia uh, has expanded on the fondue of solitude and said, there's only one table for one person at fondue of <laughs> solitude. <laughs> You come in. You come in. There's just, you can't even bring another person with you. You have to eat your fondue all alone and the fondue solitude. On theme. I like I it. I love it. So when you look for things to collect about the show, what what are you looking for specifically? Um I I like looking for just like the the more odd things, the the random things to be honest, or like the rarer things. Um I've been lately I've been trying to get a lot of the the trading cards, the more rare ones, like the autograph ones, prop cards, wardrobe cards. And also I've been stalking eBay for um cast and crew <laughs> uh <laughs> listings. And there's a couple of people that sell that kind of like just TV merchandise from cast and crew members. And I've been like finding some and I'm like, here, take my money. <laughs> <laughs> we will be doing that this week for Supergirl Radio's uh, Patreon. So definitely check that out if you are members of our Patreon uh, page, I guess I could say. Yeah. That sounds good. I'm going to I'm going to go. That sound good. I think you should. <laughs> I nailed it. You totally nailed it. I like how natural that was. <laughs> so George Reeves was an actor who played Superman in the 1950s on the TV show The Adventures of Superman. It was a huge hit. All the kids of that era would go home They would uh, after school and they'd watch Superman on TV. It was a big, big deal. One day... Uh, he turns up dead. Superman is dead uh, by a uh, a gunshot wound, uh, which is interesting because Superman is famously uh, bulletproof. There is some question, though. They, they ruled it a suicide, but uh, there was some question of, uh, well, was he murdered? 
he'd been having an affair with a studio executive's wife. And the, the studio executive kind of knew about it. It was sort of out in the open. It was a really weird dynamic and relationship. Um, but that studio executive had ties to the mob. So there is a, a theory out there that the uh, that when George Reeves broke up with this woman he was having the affair with and uh, got engaged to this other lady, uh, I think her name was Leonora Lemon, which sounds like a fake oh, name to me. Great name. Great <laughs> sounds name. like it sounds like that can't be her real name. Uh, but he had gotten engaged to some other lady, and the uh, uh, Tony Mannix, the woman he had ha- been having the affair with, was apparently very heartbroken. And so I think Eddie Mannix, her husband, uh, some some people theorize that maybe he was defending his his wife who had been very heartbroken and put out a hit on George Reeves. So I hope that clears up some of the the historical context of what we're about to hear. This guy, Adrian Lee, who's a, a paranormal investigator, he goes inside the Super Museum with his team and his equipment. And I'm going to let him continue to explain uh, what they did and what they found. And uh, we'll come back and uh, see what we think. My name's Adrian Lee. I'm the founder of the International Paranormal Society. This is my team. I have teams all over the world. We're a worldwide non-profit organization. We looked at the artifacts that belonged to George. And, of course, they had clothing, glasses. They've got his union cards there on the right underneath the cabinet. Lots of personal possessions. We set up initially in the middle of the floor there. So in that little cabinet where you see that shirt hanging, he's actually got some poker chips in there that belong to him. I've got George uh, with me. There's a mystery surrounding his death. And I've now got an opportunity to ask him the things you've always wanted to ask, right? George, can you tell me, did you shoot yourself, yes or no? (laughs) Could you tell me the name of the person who killed you? I'm glad that you this mute during the the audio because the first response I did I just very viscerally like reacted and said no (laughs) I hate paranormal stuff the last thing I want to think about is being by myself in a space and having other things I can't see around me um so this sounds like a nightmare I would never analyze any of this Jim Hambrick in his Q&A uh, he gave us more information about George Reeves' death. Of the three scenarios that George died from, which one do you believe he actually died from? Well, here, here's a secret you guys are going to learn today, maybe. It's that uh, George Reeves, uh, his girlfriend shot him. And I ended up getting an audio confession from her, Lenore Lemon. And uh, so that's, that's no secret anymore, but the scenario with the the three stories, they wanted to do three, three different scenarios to see how it possibly could happen so that they could uh, give, give a choice to the audience, they said. And uh, it, it got kind of, kind of silly when they threw some extra things in there that never happened. But uh, Adrian Brody, that came from my scenario because I was the one who did the investigation on the case. And I ended up on America's Most Wanted and all these different shows. Uh, uh, Entertainment Tonight, I was, they did a two-hour special on the collection. After you found that, that proof from Lenore Lemon, the fact that she, uh, she killed George Reeves, did anybody ever think about changing the coroner's report? Yeah, we tried to do that, and they said that her, her, her testimony that I ended up with 
uh, was not credible enough that she was a known alcoholic and that they couldn't use it. And uh, three days after I got that information, she had died. Hey, Jim, what do you think the real reason behind the cover-up? Was it just that the police were so inept? It was, in Los Angeles? It was her, her association with organized crime, George being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And uh, uh, there was over almost 20 people there that night, not four. And I have the license plate, got the license plate uh, of all the cars and vehicles that were there. Uh, and it took them uh, a half hour to move everybody out. And there was people there that knew what was going on. Jim Backus, Henny Backus, uh, there was there, Robert Condon, I, mean, I know all their names. And Shirley McLean was there. Jim Backus was actually there uh, yeah. that night? Yeah. Yeah, he just recently found out um, Shirley McLean was there because the uh, nephew of the police officer that was on duty has reached out to my dad and he's been talking to him about some of the evidence that uh, that was covered up. I'm glad that we have support from our friends and our community that supported our brick program. Morgan mentioned the brick program and Supergirl Radio did contribute to that Ooh, thanks to our uh, Supergirl Radio uh, Patreon supporters. So I did locate where the brick was pla- placed pretty pretty good uh, location i think right underneath ah. the uh, the superman mural there at the museum so uh it is there so i'm glad to see that it was installed so it looks great uh so uh thank you to the supergirl radio patreon supporters for uh contributing contributing to that uh you know the purchase of the brick but also to supporting the super museum and their continued renovation efforts for me uh, that movie Superman Dawn Justice is really cool because uh, that right when the, the big Batman and Superman fight, you know, Superman's like picking up manhole covers and just throwing them around and uh, then you see heat vision and flight and what really, uh, what, what I love about him in that movie is the way that, um, and I haven't seen this in any other uh, media portrayal, is that he will float sometimes just to get out of a, a space. Like sometimes they'll just walk away or whatever, but there's in particular there's a moment where he says goodbye to Lois and he's about to go. Uh, I'm trying to remember where he goes, but he's about to, he's after, it's after the big Batman and Superman fight, and he says goodbye to Lois and he he floats away as he leaves her. And that to me, if you were Superman, you would do that. Why would you ever walk? <laughs> so that's that's like my my favorite use of the powers because it makes sense as to. The fact that he can do that, why wouldn't he do that? I, I buy it. I don't buy it at all. <laughs> a listener with an uh, email name of non-existent, so that's mysterious. I like that. <laughs> Wrote in to share some thoughts. This is what non-existent had to say. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I should read it in like a mysterious voice. I think um, he totally should. <laughs> hey, ladies. <laughs> So, so mysterious. Uh, th- this is my first time writing in. However, I found you, <laughs> I found you guys in season four and fell in love with your funny commentary and silly banter. Were we funny and silly in season four? It was the funniest, silliest season. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the best boss, Lena or Jean? Lena had a standard back when she was Kara's boss to like, she was like, you need to come to work. So I so I respected that about Lena. She was like, you, you're going to have to be here. You're going to have to be doing your work. You're going to have to come to your meetings. So I think she uh, she stays on top of it. 
<laughs> um, I'm gonna have to go with John because, like, I like how he kind of took everybody under his wing. Mm-hmm. Did some of his employees die? Yes, they did. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he was really supportive. He was like, <laughs> he was like a great space dad. And so I, I, I'm giving him props, even though they didn't all make it, and and his <laughs> whole organization crumbled into the ground. And <laughs> I'm now understanding that Lena is definitely the better boss. <laughs> Is her bookmobile, the book elf, is it in competition with Patricia in the library? Or is it part of Patricia's library? I want to believe that she's just an extension of what Patricia's doing at the library. Patricia was really nice to her. And I would hate it if Melody like went behind her back. <laughs> I mean, Patricia was medium nice to somebody who was offering free labor. And listen, Rebecca can attest to this. I was immediately on Patricia's side. I was like texting Rebecca last night. Like, why is she bothering poor Patricia? And Rebecca's like, is this a text message for the wrong person? And I was I like, no, no idea what you were talking about. I was like, hey, Rebecca, I want to talk about the library. Why don't you know what I'm talking about? Patricia is pretty upfront. She's like, listen, I love your energy. It scares me. And I honestly want you to take a couple steps away from me, Patricia. But I would hire you if I could. But this library has no funding. Like, literally, they are paying me, Patricia, in Skittles. And I can only <laughs> eat so many. I can only taste so much rainbow. Okay? So, like, I don't have a job for you. And then, like, a like a kindly lady, like, walks in the background. She's like, ah, give her a job. It's the holiday. <laughs> <laughs> and Patricia's like, literally, not how federal funding works. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Melody, who is our main character, is like, okay. I've got a proposal. What if I volunteer here for free? Patricia's like, okay, I can deal with that. And I put together a program for free. And Patricia's like, okay, live and all that. And if this program goes great, Patricia's like, I don't like where this is going. And she's like, if the program goes great, you'll hire me. And Patricia's like, at no point can I do that? Or did I agree to do that? And Melody's like, great, we're on the same page. See you later, Patricia. When Damien Dark died on Legends, they like went out of their way to be like, he is the deadest a dead person can ever be the most dead he is his soul doesn't exist it is in the ether now no one no one will ever see him again he is the deadest he he went through a character arc and he he like had his uh resolution with nora and now he is very dead and like so i just laughed as soon as he came back i showed it back up on the flash i was like or he's back again. All right. <laughs> Mike is off screen just doing the most right here in this podcast. Because he's, he's being a real ducky right now. <laughs> he's being such a ducky right now. What do you think about that approach, Carly, to, to start from a, a theme and then write all of the episodes of the season sort of around that? There's nothing necessarily wrong with that approach. Like, if you know you want to tackle that on the show and then talking about, I think there's something really interesting in the approach of like, okay, we know we want to address this theme of like journalism or misinformation or like whatever. And then talk about, I think the thing you have to remember is like how that, how each character is going to be impacted by that theme or what shape that theme is going to take in their life specifically, as opposed to, I think sometimes this is something that just like fiction writing, like TV or movie writing runs into that's a problem in general not this isn't something specifically indicative of Supergirl but like I have noticed I did notice this on the show where 
the script puts them in a place because it needs them to be there and not because the character would have made the, de- the character would have made a decision that makes sense for them to be there. Do you have a favorite uh, Lena Luthor look? I do. And I feel slightly ashamed that I could rattle this so quickly out of the top of my head, but the episode that Melissa directed where she's in red and you have the lace, like, turtleneck and the, the Victorian suit. ghost suit. Yes. The Victorian ghost suit is one of my favorites as well. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa Benoist is on the front. She's on the back of the outer covering. She's on the front and back of the inner covering. Um, so it's all Supergirl. So it looks like this show is all about super. Like th- this makes it look like Supergirl is the main character of this show amazing and for this episode of the podcast we have gathered live and wired on the supergirl radio (laughs) facebook page and the dc tv podcast youtube channel with other members of the morgan glennon podcast universe the mgpu for short to pit arrowverse (laughs) heroes and villains against each other in a tournament with the goal of crowning a champion there's a lot of trash talk in the private chat i've noticed i'm ready thanks i'm ready to fight it's gonna the friendships are gonna be destroyed tonight, I think. <laughs> well, you know what's scary? Um, the internet and technology. Mm. We're all a Malcolm, afraid of technology. Let's be honest. Malcolm can't even use it. Malcolm's probably so bad at the internet. Malcolm's like an like an older gentleman. He probably doesn't know how to like convert something to a PDF, right? How is he gonna go up against Indigo, who can be in the internet? I'm sorry. Wait a second. Malcolm Merlin doesn't know how to internet. He built an earthquake device <laughs> and is a CEO of a major company equivalent to Wayne Industries, but he doesn't know how to internet. He's gonna code Indigo out of his will. Someone else is doing that for him. We all know that. Yeah, he's got, he's got, he pays people for that, baby. You get to play your dream character on Supergirl. Are you one of Kara's uh, past friends from high school or the villain from Kara's junior high days on Krypton? I think the Scooby gang would be really fun to be a part of. But to be a Kryptonian middle school villain. <laughs> The rest of the stuff I have is from DC Films. Would you like to see those? Uh, I very much would. Rebecca famously hates those. (laughs) (laughs) In blank slate, Special Agent Alexander McCoy, which is a a pretty great name, played by (laughs) actor Matt Pasmore, is a legend in law enforcement. The agent we all hope is out there. The agent we'd all like to be. The only issue is he doesn't actually exist. He's a ghost. A phantom. So what happens when a man claiming to be Alexander McCoy walks through the door with all of his skills and knowledge, but with an agenda nobody will see coming? Can I just say that it warms my heart that Veronica, the description writer, has found another job. <laughs> uh, me, The agent we all would want to be. I don't even want to be an agent. But now she's got me going, I guess I would want to be like this guy. A ghost. A phantom. <laughs> Having read that description, beautifully written by Veronica, <laughs> I could not tell you what that show is about. What do you mean he's a ghost? What do you mean he's not real? <laughs> did, they, did they make up an agent that they told all the other agents about? They were like, they're like, like you do for a small child when you want them to eat their supper. Where they're like, you know, who would never mess up this mission? Agent Alexander McCoy. <laughs> He's the agent you want to be, that you wish you could be. <laughs> and then, like, one day he, he comes in and, like, everybody's like, oh, my God, we've been making up this guy this whole time. <laughs> but there he is. 
as amazing as we said. I want that show to be about the guys who made up Alexander McCoy. Like, I want them to be, like, the main cast. <laughs> we might just become, like, Alexander McCoy radio. I think, I think so. I think so, too. <laughs> Why did they make a whole podcast about Alexander McCoy? It's like, is he even real? <laughs> if I've learned anything from Supergirl, from Crisis, from my boy Amadei, it's that... <laughs> It's that continuity doesn't really matter if you don't believe in it. <laughs> I was a little confused about some of the the setting aspects of this because I think it was set in America, but there were lots so. of there were multiple characters who had like British accents. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, Katie McGraw, you know, you never know which accent she's going to go with. And <laughs> she's coming with whatever feels right in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there were, I was very confused based on the accents and the characters and what they were doing. And then I was confused about like the, like when they were in time because there was the 4th of July thing and then there was a the Christmas thing. Uh, and I also, I, I don't know, I, I wondered if it was even taking place in America, but I think the 4th of July thing set us in America. So uh, I I was having a tough time. I was very confused about the setting and the location and kind of the uh, aesthetics of the trying to in, visually symbolize where we were and what we were doing and when we were. So uh, I, I wondered if I was the only person who had issues with that. I don't know. I thought it was pretty clear. It was set somewhere between the 20s and the 50s and somewhere... <laughs> uh, Probably in North America or Eastern Europe. Yeah, I mean, pretty clear. Yeah. (laughs) So are we talking 1820s to 1850s or 1920s to 1950s? 1820s to 1950s. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Sometime during that very short time period. (laughs) Supergirl, the complete series, soars with all six seasons of the epic epic adventures of the Girl of Steel. Uh, so that's a pretty good description. That sounds like a, a great show. The young cat character was like, oh, I'm so sorry. That must be so hard. And Alice looks at her like, it's your divorce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, it must be hard, mom. Yeah, <laughs> of course quit, it's hard. Thanks for asking. <laughs> so this is in addition to uh, Oliver Queen somehow making an appearance, uh, even though he died to rebuild the universe. Uh, or the multiverse, really. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that explanation as to how he's he's back in it. He's back in. Oh, the I game. forgot about Oliver. Listen, you can't keep Oliver down. You can kill him however many times you want. He's coming back. He's coming back. There's no stopping him. But they couldn't bring back uh, Laurel Lance. She was there to show the finality of death, which is only. <laughs> Only applicable to her in her specific instance. <laughs> Who would you rather have as a roommate? Dawnstar or Triplicate Girl? Triplicate Girl is going to take up a lot of room. Does she get more closet space? If you made her mad, would she try to kill you? I like the cool, like, standoffishness of Triplicate Girl. You've got three of her. And you're like, oh, I wish I was with a with a group of my friends. You always are. <laughs> I thought Dawnstar was like a little too needy. Dawnstar is going to try to find your social security number and like uh, take your identity. Supergirl's going to wake up and Dawnstar is going to be like sitting there in the bed next to her blonde <laughs> with like the like the L crest on. She's just going to like totally single white female her, I think. I think. So I'm going with triplicate girl. Is she always going to be nice to me? No. But that seems normal. <laughs> That's what I like about this in terms of a modern audience. It's trying to show what it would be like if Superman was real. Some of the other interpretations of Superman is that 
it's kind of a fantasy, it's kind of a cartoonish thing, or it's kind of a, um, you know, it's it, almost like a fairy tale. It's not, you know, in the real world. Um, and so I think what Man of Steel was trying to do was to show what it would be like if we walked out of these buildings and there was a real guy wearing a cape and flying around and shooting the heat vision out of his eyes. What would that be like to the world? What would you pick? The rest of the season not focusing much on Kara, but you keep podcasting with your friend. Or, uh-oh, <laughs> I don't like this. Or you're given creative control of the rest of the season, but your co-host's entire memory of you has to be erased forever and you can never podcast with her again. All right, let's just work through this. I feel yeah. like we need to explore all. We, we, don't, do. we don't We need do. to normally give explanations for snap judgments, but I think this one deserves some explanation <laughs> just to really dig into it. Rebecca's about to wipe my memory, you guys. <laughs> So if your memory of me did get wiped, could we still meet again and create new memories? My memory is wiped, but you still remember the podcast. So you could still pitch it to me like, hey, Morgan, it's been a while, hasn't it? Do you remember Live Journal? I do, too. Would you like to do a Supergirl podcast? And I'm like, sure. What a fun, wacky idea. And then I, and then I hop on here and everybody knows who I am. And then I have like a real like crisis of... <laughs> so Jay brings up a really good point. The podcast is recorded. That's true. It could be Rebecca. like... 50, it could be like 50 first dates where he like shows her that videotape of like all the things that have happened in her past. Yeah. You can use it to remind her. We shouldn't be thinking about this. So hard. <laughs> We're not I good mean, friends. It, it turns out it is tempting though. Because, it's very tempting <laughs> because if you had creative control of Car's story, I mean, you could do you could do Comet the Super Horse. Oh my God, you could you could, you could do, take it anywhere. You could t- you could go to Stanhope College and see her in college. You could bring in Nasty Luther. <laughs> she could be a soap opera actress. For she a little could while. be a soap opera actress on Secret Hearts. Oh, you could do so. I mean, you could do so much. News Gal Legion, here we come. News, News Gal Legion, Snapper Car Snapping. <laughs> Director Bones. Director Bones. Oh, <laughs> it's all it's all real tough to turn down. <laughs> but you know what morgan even when the show is terrible and the car content is no good i still enjoy that i get to come on here for sometimes two and a half hours <laughs> and talk about the show and the character of supergirl with you and it's one of the highlights of my week so i think i'm going to uh choose to keep my memories or, or choose to keep your memories of me so that we can keep doing this podcasting and uh, uh, podcasting about the show and podcasting with my friends. So I guess that's the one that I would choose. That's so sweet. Like I'm, ver- <laughs> I'm very tempted by by Ron Con's Rama wines becoming <laughs> a reality. You could make it a reality. We could make it a reality. We could have a whole hope spinoff. It could be called That's a Hope. <laughs> <laughs> but but none of the inside jokes would happen if if one of us didn't remember. And so I can't wipe your memories. I can't. Friendship is magic, like the My Little Pony say. I started watching the second season of Supergirl, and I almost quit. And then I thought, there must be a podcast about this, because I listen to a lot of podcasts. And I searched it up, and I found you guys' podcast. And so I think... In my opinion, you guys are the best podcast out there. You're an intensely adequate podcast. <laughs> good, good.
McGurk! I Do love typing. Do not mess with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you <laughs> like it? It's being, becoming a human burrito, a plus or a minus. I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Yeah.